and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Caravella, joined by Alex Navarro. Yep, I'm here, as always. Brad Shoemaker. It's true, I am present. And not to leave our guest hanging while we do really long introductions, because that could be kind of weird. I should tell you about this time that I really left the guest <laughs> just sitting there, uh, not able oh, yeah, to who talk. Was it? Because I well, I don't want to say name names, but they're very respectful and they never talk until they're talked to, and uh, that's always a good thing. I always appreciate that about a really competent, experienced, professional guest is that they will not introduce themselves. You know, that's funny. That reminds me of a very long, rambling story I have about another guest we once had, but I won't tell it now. I'll let you tell your... your, Why don't you introduce our guest? Friend of the show, Will Smith is here. I will. I'm I'm allowed to say something now, right? get in there. Okay. Ahoy, hoy. Yes, the seal has been broken. Hi. And of course, uh, uh, do do you still need clarification for being this Will Smith and not that Will Smith? Is that something that still comes up? Look, I less so now, but sometimes I go places and people are really disappointed to see me, you know, like checking into <laughs> hotels, mm-hmm. restaurant reservations, you know, the usual because yeah, because the other Will Smith definitely checks into hotels under his real name. <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume not, but people are really surprised. So, I mean, there there are also, I think, currently two baseball Will Smiths okay. and, um, you know, so there's there's look, there's there's a lot of us to go around is all, all I'm going to say. Fairly common name. It's two really, really common names glued together. People should not be surprised. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us here, Will Smith. Our Will Smith. Always Will- glad to always glad to come by. The Will Smith I know and love. Uh, you've been out making games, doing tech pods, doing all sorts of stuff. We're going to get into the state of the industry and everything. We're going to pick your brain and comb <laughs> over what has been going on in the industry over in the news section. Because, you know, seems like the industry is having a moment. Look, I'm a I'm a bummer specialist, Vinny. I'm here I'm here to just bring down the mood uh, no. and let everybody know that things are things are are going great. Finally, someone else can be the bummer on this podcast besides me. Oh, yeah it's uh, it's it's a weird time. It's a weird time. It is a weird. Well, yeah, it's a weird time for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a weird time in video games. Um, but will that's where our expertise lies mostly. So we'll stick to that. Uh, well, Will, you are also an expert, and I, I'm glad you're here because I've been wanting to uh, check in with you. You're an expert on being a family man. How is How are the elementary to middle school transitional memes going? Uh, you mean like what's? Do I know what Riz is? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> is, is that the? Is that, that where we're at? Is it? Is it Riz? Are you? Uh, uh, are you Riz? Are you Rizzler? Are you Wizard of Oz? Are you are the you... Riz King? Yeah. So I'm gonna suggest that the experience of having a middle school daughter is maybe a little different than having a middle school son. Okay. Um, I know I've made a bunch of Swifty, a, a bunch of friendship bracelets. Okay. I, I know, uh, I know why the Taylor's versions are important and that you should only listen to them, not to, uh, not to the OG recordings from already the Taylor Swift albums. Okay. What do you not know about Taylor's version? No. Okay. So this is incredible. <laughs> I like, like she, she, you know, she writes all of her songs, so she owns the songs, and she can do whatever she wants with them. But the recordings were owned by her label and and Scooter Braun, the you know noted kind of dirtbag. Um, and he, she said, "Hey, if you're ever going to sell them the rights to the masters, I want to buy them." And then he sold them out from under her without giving them to her. Wow. Yeah. So she was like, she was on the Kelly Clarkson show, American Idol slash the world's Kelly Clarkson. And Kelly Clarkson was like, you know, you should just re-record them all. You own the rights to the songs. And she was like, oh, 
And so she records, she completely re-records the original versions of the songs as they were originally recorded, just modern, you know, today, and re-releases them on Spotify and Apple Music and all the places you could buy discs as Taylor's version, like the name of the album plus Taylor's version. (laughs) Well, that's what that is. Okay. I've seen that going around. It's like, well, there actually is no analog I can think of, but it's- So here's the thing. Bands have been doing this for years uh, to far less notoriety and fanfare uh, compared to like what Taylor Swift does. But I remember when we were working on rock band stuff, there were certain bands that would only send re-records in because they did not have the like they were not talking to their original mm. label. There were there were disputes between publishing rights and all that kind of stuff. So like a bunch of third eye blind songs that were the songs, but not the original recordings ended up in like rock band network. Because they hated their original label or something and just would not negotiate with them. So, so yeah. did she? Did she do them in the most like sound alike? I'm trying to just replicate the thing exactly way, or did she like actually go? You know what? I, you know what? I'm going to do these different. I'm going to. Uh, she better. did not George Lucas them up as far. I like. I'm not. I am not a Taylor. I'm a. I'm adjacent to, but not not mm. a Taylor Swift expert. Uh, my understanding is that they are intended to be the original re- redos of the originals, um, and and. She's also kind of weaponized them, so it's possible she has some beeves with with artists that maybe, you know, came up on the stage during awards shows when she was a young, young woman, and uh, maybe you're releasing a new album claiming to have some sort of agency in her rise to fame, and so she's just holding the most recent Taylor's version, waiting for him to release his album presumably so that like the we're day talking he's about Kanye. like let's just say it we're talking yeah, about Kanye. I, didn't, you, I didn't want to do it i want to bring it up some kind of like weird album cold war of like who's gonna launch the nukes first she's just she's literally just sitting there waiting for him to release the album presumably so she could drop it on the same day and take all chance of him having number ones away <laughs> what is going on it's I mean, amazing it's it, like a cold war cold war where one side has been completely disarmed though <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, and, like what and power also, does like, kanye still have one side is completely right, it turns out. So anyway, yeah. I we, I know a lot about Taylor Swift now. That's the TLDR. Do you listen to, um, is there a lot of Taylor Swift happening in the house? Have you have you thought about going to, uh, at some point, was there talk of trying to get tickets to the Eras tour? We have tickets for a Vancouver show, the last show of the tour right now, next <laughs> really? December. This December. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, my my uh, Gina did a good job. Like she was like super on and has tried to get tickets off and on over the over the last couple of years. This one, she got them and then she got the tickets. She's like, "Holy shit, I got the tickets!" And then immediately realized that she paid Canadian dollars for them. So she's like, "Shit, I could have gotten much better seats than I did because it's Canadian yes, dollars." Yes. Right, and, right. But but yeah. So presumably we're going to Vancouver unless we decide. And to. it's one of the last shows of the tour. I think it's the last show of the. That's tour. kind of a. Ama- that's like the show you want to be at, right? It's like I, I'm pretty stoked about it. Like I'm yeah. I'm. Like I, I think 1989 is a great album. The rest of it, I'm kind of yeah. This has but, been a long fucking tour too, hasn't it? Because she's been touring since like middle of last year. I feel she, like she started. She's she's kind of. I think she's only doing weekends, which is okay. like it's a big it's a big stadium tour, so that makes and sense. And sometimes not Sundays because she has to go be at her boyfriend's football games. Yeah, yeah. There's that whole thing too, but um, but yeah. So I don't know. It it seems it seems like a big, like it seems like she set out to make a billion dollars and then did that immediately and like uh, you know like maybe maybe she's the only ethical billionaire. I don't know. Maybe she needs to start setting her aims higher because I think Taylor Swift deciding deciding to make a million dollars does not actually feel like it takes that much work. Sorry, a billion dollars. Alex. I know a billion. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm still saying I don't think that's I, I think she's going to be the first one to reach yeah. for a trillion dollars. Yeah, the race to trillionaire starts now. She will uh, be a small country by the time I am dead. <laughs> I, you know, I'm still waiting for the turn. It, I, I, I gotta, I gotta see TBD on Taylor Swift. Uh, you know, all that money. What happens? It just gets in you, and stuff starts happening pretty soon. She's like, just the money's not enough, and then it's what it's like human sacrifice or whatever, whatever billionaires do mm-hmm. in their basements, and you know, you sound like you're eager to cancel Taylor. No, I'm not. Look, I have no. I am not. I, I've. I have no kind of uh, skin in the game for Taylor Swift. What I do fear are the Swifties out there. So, like, no, I, Taylor Swift is cool by me. Um, everything's great, but I love I'm that just, we're talking about her like it's fucking Big Brother. Like, there's a fucking video screen of Tay Tay behind me, just watching for me to, you know, to to do some wrong speak here. I saw that. The only thing I saw recently was that clip from uh, was it the Emmys where she uh, was where she does the, the no stare the Golden the, Globes oh the Golden Globes yeah and I, that is a person I do not want to cross uh, that looked like, that was the look of somebody who could have me killed in an instant or worse you just don't ever want to do anything that's going to make her write a song about you that's the way it, <laughs> that's the thing that that's the that's the TLDR there's no good way through that one nope. No, nope, okay. that's not that's that's not recoverable. You're just gonna have to go find a hole to live in after that. I think so. So what happens? Um, what's what's her boyfriend's name? Is it Travis Kelsey? Kelsey, right? So can he ever break up with her, or she just has to? She has to wait until she breaks up with him at this point. I believe that the official uh, the official uh, Swifty fa- uh, fandom right now believes that he is the one. So. Oh boy. I'm telling yeah. you right now, this one has lasted longer than I feel like a lot of the other ones have. And if that does end, that's an album. That's not a Al- song. That yeah. is an album. <laughs> Alex, are you a secret Swifty here? Is this what, is no, this, is this what I'm finding? Not out? remotely. In fact, okay. I am constantly mystified by the number of people in my life who reveal themselves to be Swifties whenever a new thing from her drops. I feel like six more people in my following suddenly just turn in an instant the second <laughs> one of her albums shows up on Spotify. And I'm just like. I find all of it completely inoffensive, but also completely uninteresting. Like there's just nothing about her music or her, her, her persona or anything that even resonates with me, but that's fine. Cause I also just don't hate it. Like nothing about it is like bad or offensive. It's just like, all right, this is extremely not for me. Wait, you're saying that it's okay for there to be art that's made. That's not explicitly for you. I mean, I prefer that it wasn't the dominating thing in popular <laughs> culture, but I mean, whatever, you know, it's like, I don't yeah. have any fucking determination over that. I it's it's like a weird thing where like it feels like Taylor Swift got uh what is the thing from the original Assassin's Creed the apple the apple of Eden you know uh-huh. the thing that you know she she keeps in a in a box backstage during every concert that emanates out like not mind control but like good vibes like I really just like I didn't think I would but I just really like this Taylor Swift I just want to want to buy albums there's a joke I remember from Twitter a while ago where someone was talking about Jeremy Renner like the actor and how like basically his entire vibe is a guy who like works at like Home Depot that somehow was granted many wishes by God <laughs> because he's just such a weird normie a normal guy that does not feel like a super like a celebrity. That's Taylor Swift to me. She is just the most normcore girl in the world that somehow God has bestowed all blessings upon. Dude, Renner had that app. He had an app yeah. named after him, and I was like, yeah. that came out. I was like, dude, you don't rate this. Like, no people people who are ten times bigger celebrities than you oh, don't have apps. Taylor named after Swift them. rates for an app. She <laughs> sure. should have her own app. Oh, sure. she's she's she own. should have a phone. She yeah. should have an app, an ecosystem. I, yeah, is Jeremy Renner okay? 
Yeah, um, I didn't know, like, yeah. could Snowcat fall on him? It's, like, it's been a, yeah, he, he was he was grievously injured like a year ago or something. I think. Okay. But he like, was on the mend last. He's I been saw. recovering, as far Look, as I know. I you, clearly you haven't been watching Renovations on Disney Plus. It's the is that a real thing? That was that a real a, thing. That is a real thing. Man, Somehow oh, not a Thirty Rock joke, an actual show <laughs> someone <laughs> made. Good, good branding, huh? Like, yeah, not, get your, get your name out there. Rebuilding well, Jeremy Renner. That's like him doing houses and he's, stuff. He's like dude, like Habitat for Humanity, but for people's oh. houses. It, it, like, look, Robert Downey Jr. had his car thing, right? Uh-huh. He turned a, like a bunch of gas cars electric for inexplicable reasons. Uh huh. Yeah, Jeremy Renner should get to do his renovations sure do it yeah what's taylor swift got the world in her hand <laughs> yeah anything <laughs> she wants keeps i think it Vinny. spinning keeps economies yeah. going around yeah she's um, death clock like she's literally like she's the, the 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 fake band that somehow is the sixth largest economy in the world like that's what she is um all right speaking of this is gonna be a good transition ready speaking of uh grievously injured and okay returning from the from near death i'll allow it second eight <laughs> Does, how uh, are you saying that taylor swift is a hey, hey hachi mishima of uh of the world of our world i would have to understand i think more of the tekken universe to delve into those kind of analogies Some of devils every every game someone gets thrown in a volcano that's all you really need to know uh tekken eight is out i finished the story mode in that game that game is bananas. They have like a, um, hey, catch up on the Tekken series. Here are seven <laughs> little vignettes you and can watch. And it's a fucking joke. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> even as someone who has played all these games, those catch ups are a fucking joke. Who did uh, who did they get for that video? Brian, um, help me out here. Oh, the the the. This is not the video. That the same video. Okay, but, that's what I was going to ask. They yeah, didn't, yeah. they didn't just put that in the game. Also, who is that actor again? Help me out, Alex. Oh, Brian, Brian Cox. Succession. Brian Cox, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, so no, just, they, they that is more useful. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. that video. They they didn't just put that in the game. That's a shame. No, it, they do sense. They do. You do get the sense they understand that throwing people in, off cliffs and volcanoes is probably the most important thing because oh. they kind of just start each video with like, and then. He threw this, his it's, son off a volcano. Uh, it's, the whole, it's the whole brand I, at this point. I, yeah, yeah. I just assume it's like smash cut. It's like like a smash cut of, of people being held over their head, hooked into the <laughs> so, volcano. Yep, like, yes. boom, 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 yes. boom. This boom. time, Grandpa goes in the volcano. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so like I had to spend a little like time. Son. I had to spend a little time going through some uh, uh, third party source materials to kind of clear up some things. But I will say this about the story about. It's a, it's a 15 chapter story. And I was like in and out. It's fairly short. It's probably fewer than five hours, but like, like I'm halfway through it and I feel like I've done it in about two hours, three yeah, hours. At it's, most. it's, it's, it's a fairly short thing, you know, depending on that, I guess what you put, set your settings to, I, I walked through every single fight, maybe except for the couple at the end where I had to do a couple of times, but I also, am, I'm playing on medium. But I'm also doing the uh, 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 woke controls to call it to oh, okay. oh, from Street Fighter. Yeah, what are those the, called? Special, special. What is it called? Special style. Special yeah, style. Isn't that, yeah. Isn't that what they call it? That the assist mode is called special style, special which is style. an incredible name. So That's I'm, how I I'm order do- my hamburger at In and Out. <laughs> I'm doing special style, and it really just lets me kind of bulldoze through those fights in a way that kind of feels. I'm not in it right now for. I like Tekken. I like the Tekken fighting system. I, I do, but I wanted to get through that story mode because 
about 10 chapters in, it's like hit or miss, and you're like, this is some anime bullshit that I'm not into. Oh, but it's then, the most anime bullshit. Like, I <laughs> honestly think Tekken might be the most anime my, fighting game that is not spe- explicitly based on an anime. So then 10 to 15 is the most anime bullshit I do like. Yeah. So 10 to 15 takes it, and then it just goes off the rails in a, in a way that tech, even for my knowledge of Tekken feels, you've lost all goddamn control of this story. Uh, and it's kind of amazing. They know, um, so they yeah, know what uh, they're, they're doing. So about whereabouts in the story, you said about halfway, Alex. Yeah. I'm past like all the stuff with like the opening round of the King of Iron Fist tournament okay. and kind of like into sort of a little bit more of the meat of what happens after that, that first round. They're basically, you get to a point where there's this big field battle that happens where you're switching between different characters. And that's for me was the turning point of <laughs> there's one fight in the middle of this apocalyptic battle where the fate of humanity is happening that they have to gin up, you know, it's a fighting game. So they have to gin up reasons for characters to fight each other. And one is, uh, there's this character who's an MMA fighter and she jumps it, in and she's it's she's a Peruvian a, girl, yeah. right? Yeah. And and she jumps in and the guy's like, You wait, you signed up with the bad guys? And she's like, I think it's really good for my brand. <laughs> I yep. think it's I think I think I'm gonna sell more coffee this way. Uh and then you fight. <laughs> and then the fight ends and she's like, Are you a coffee drinker? That's right. I'm out of here. I better go rethink my branding strategy and leaves. And you know, and they're just trying to One's about somebody owes somebody money. They're just coming up with reasons for these characters to be fighting each other that make no sense at all, and that's kind of great. And, and it then just also treating those scenes with deathly seriousness, which oh, is yeah. exactly the right tone for how stupid it all is. So, like, do I love the story mode in it? Not really, but yeah, it's, it's entertaining. It's, ki- it's kind of fun, and I think if I were finding... Um, I think if I were playing it like uh, somebody who actually should be playing Tekken were playing it, then I would I'd be more frustrated with it. But I'm just there for that mode for the story, uh, and it's a lot of fun and not too long. Yeah, uh, the but that's not the only I, story. That's not the only story. Then you have every character's um, arcade uh, like, story. Yeah, like the ones that you're like, okay, let me get your side story, which are done pretty well because you actually do get some narrative and cutscenes in there. Yeah, it's oh, mostly so- it's mostly just a series of five fights, and then there's like a little bit of book ending story, but usually the end cutscenes are pretty good. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, are they in the grand tradition of let's say Tekken two and three? Yeah, yeah definitely. Great. Great. I need to check some of those out. Um, I, I, the story stuff is the one thing I have not really gotten into in this. I have a question though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I've messed with other modes. Is there any Heihachi in there? Because the distinct lack of Heihachi elsewhere. I don't want to spoil any story concerning stuff. Concerning to me. Yeah. I thought he got thrown into a volcano at the end of the yeah, last but, one. Yeah. He did. But, you know, like, like Kazuya never also, stopped anyone. Kazuya also has gotten thrown into a volcano like five times and he's doing pretty well. He's I'm doing not, better. If anything, <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny that uh, a okay. Heihachi. Right. Okay. Um, just, there's, got, there's got to be. What's what's the eyebrow sitch on Heihachi? Should he show up? Is it like, are we talking like, is he like a Dune, like a David Lynch Dune character? Or is he like, <laughs> does he have like little wings that look like they're waxed? Like, where are we at with that? I, I he doesn't want to spoil would, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Let's just say that um, the presence of Heihachi is always felt throughout. Yeah, they mention him a lot, at least, even yeah. in the opening stuff. So um, there, there, there is a new character in the game. Um, gosh, what is her name? The girl um, with the purple hair. Yeah, do you remember her name? Not off the top I actually of my like, head. But I like playing as her, uh, and she fights in the. Uh, Brad, you could probably pull this off the top of your head. What is it? What's the Zaibatsu? The the, the Hayachi's last Mishima, name? Mishima. Mishima Zaibatsu. Yeah, Mishima. Oh. 
Uh, she fights in the Mishima style, which uh, is fun. I like that. that. Interesting. I also, I also really liked her, her like, because the story mostly focuses on Jin and him sort of like losing and then regaining his devil <laughs> power and stuff. And he runs into her and he's like, I've saw the, some of these moves before. And she's like, oh, I just watched some stuff on YouTube. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Some stuff I saw on the internet. Don't worry yeah. about it. Uh, I also like in the story, everybody speaks in their country of origins native tongue yes. to each huh. other so there's just there's, a, there's an implied understanding of all <laughs> languages among all world warriors in this game it's kind of amazing because you just hear like people speaking in german then answering in japanese and a third party answering in italian throughout all yeah. of this stuff that's kind of amazing there's also uh, there's also a, rid- a really ridiculous thing in the character select where when you highlight people it, among their stats it lists nationalities you know so it'll be like it'll be like june japanese uh, eddie brazilian <laughs> Kazuya says, none relinquish <laughs> Japanese citizenship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he has bigger aims. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's really silly. I think the side, I did one and a half of this or less side story stuff. I did one because I was really curious what this character's side story is going to be after the, uh, I did that. Obviously you mean Jack 8, right? The most important no, character in all, all of Tekken. I did not do Jack 8 and I did not do Akuma yet. Jack um, is usually the first guy I go for in that stuff because he was the one I always like leaned on in the arcades. Uh, there are better characters in this game, I will say, but I, I did have a lot of fun with Jack 8. Uh, he has a very good dumb ending to his little arcade story. Okay, good. I'm curious. I saw in the story the introdu- introduction of Jack 8. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, Jack no, and did- King were always my guys. Um, and what, what do you think of, like, Paul with the, like, floppy hair? Dude, Paul looks <laughs> fucking rough, man. Rough. Paul looks like he's been sleeping on the side of a <laughs> highway embankment for the last six months. Uh, yeah. I played uh, Reina's story, the, the new girl with the, with the purple hair. Is it blue or purple? Uh, okay, now that I'm realizing there might actually be, there's one girl who has, like, bluish-purple hair, who is the one we were talking about before, and then there's Reyna, who is the girl that is the more, uh, anime girl that is just straight-up purple hair, I think. Wait, I think you're mixing them up. Reyna's the one who saw the moves on YouTube. Okay, that's the, that's who I'm thinking of then. I'm thinking of the other robot girl who has Alisa? the white- Alisa? Alisa, yes, yes, okay. Yes, I did not- She kind of looks like a robot, and I was like, she must be from another game, I don't realize, uh, but then you- when you fight a search, she takes her head off. And I'm like, yes. okay, you're a robot. Let's just say like, Jack's story also involves a little of that. <laughs> um, yeah, fun characters, pretty dumb characters. The story stuff, the side stuff seems fun. A lot of characters go through the side stuff. But there's the arcade mode. Which is a whole other thing. Allows you to play as an avatar-looking doofus, if you want to make your doofus. I, mine yeah. has like it's, a sideways hat so, with sunglasses. So those, those are, the avatars are also used on, in the online, like, lounge. Yes, I'll talk are. about that later. I don't know if you guys have messed with those or not. Very I did not briefly. get into that. I, I, I've messed with, anyway, we can get into it. But the arcade mode is a meta thing where Tekken 8 has just dropped in arcades, and your friend Max is going to teach you how to play Tekken 8 uh, in the guise of you trying to enter this arcade tournament oh so does that does that is that what teaches you how to use like yes. heat and yes. all, the, the, all the, new, the new mechanics okay i should have gotten into that the game first, does not then. communicate that well i will no, say that that is really, where the learning happens they really just dump you into a bunch of menus and just be like here's all the modes just figure it yeah. out I, I absolutely would have started with that i mean they do they do pop everything up you know there's like a five page th- yeah. pop up about the heat system when you first get in there that i was just like man i don't want to read all this right now i just want to play 
I mean, that's the same thing I had with the story. I was like, I don't want to, like, I scrolled through the three pages. I was like, I'm going to forget this in a second. I Um, mean, the heat system isn't that complicated. It's just another meter thing. And, you know, basically you pop it off with a button press. And then once you do that, you can follow that up with a heat, what is basically a heat action, you know, like mm -hmm. in in Yakuza, like it is just a, a larger, it's not the rage attack, but it is like a stronger attack that you can launch into. And then also while you are in heat mode, basically... When you hit an opponent that's blocking, it does more chip damage. Okay, that, yeah. that all sounds super straightforward. It's just the way they present it to you is just very much like it's, it's not explained well or I agree. in, a, in yeah. a way that's very engaging at all. Also, you don't build it up necessarily. You just start with it in the match. So yeah, you kind of start there. with it and you can do it once per round. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, then there's the rage stuff. Uh, and That's like the you're down to your last, last health and yeah. then you just like pop that thing off and it does a giant attack. And I didn't play much seven. I know seven was well regarded. Oh, but, that's great. Um, yeah, so I didn't play much of it. So I'm not sure what's coming over from from seven in, into eight. And was heat in seven or is that new? I for think eight? heat is the new thing. I want to yeah, say I, I I believe the rage arts were very much like in the the last game. Okay. Uh, I liked what I played so far. I look. We don't have to go over this again. But I play fighting games for the story. I know it's ridiculous. Have your laugh, everybody. It's okay. Vinny, I'm with you. I, yeah, I, I like I like Mortal Kombat. I'll play Mortal Kombat I mean, every time, and as soon as I finish the story, I'm probably good. You yeah. know, the highest selling fighting game franchise out there emphasizes its story mode over everything else. So well, I, I think that's fine at this point. Also, I think I, I saw at least in the UK, Tekken Eight had a bigger launch than Street Fighter Six. I believe it. Anyway, anyway. I mean, Tekken, story mode. Point point is like story modes are like you know a lot of people play story modes in fighting games. Well, and they've gotten good. Is the thing like especially in the years since MK really started emphasizing that stuff? Like they've gotten a lot more interesting in these yeah. games. Like Tekken has definitely embraced that stuff. Street Fighter has gotten better at it. Like uh, more of these games are embracing that. So it doesn't feel like uh, I watch porno for the stories thing. Like it's <laughs> like actually they're putting some effort into this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and the Tekken stuff has always been just so silly that I've always really enjo- really enjoyed where they take those things. But I didn't play seven. I played, I don't know which Tekken it was, but I played it in college a bunch. I printed out all the moves because I was in it college. It was probably and had two or three. To a yeah. Two, okay. two and three were the ones, I think. Okay. I mean, I mean, not to say that four through six are but bad. But those are like the big arcade ones. Must but have yeah. been three because it had Devil Jin. Yeah, it. that was three yes. probably. Jin, Jin was new in three. Well, what was the PS2 launch one? Was that Tekken? That was like 2EX or PS, something? PS, uh, that was Tekken Tag Tournament. You're talking about yes. the, the one that launched with the PS2? Yeah. yeah, that, was yeah Tekken, that's, that was the one that the first time you used the bumpers, and I was like, oh, this is a thing you can play not on a stick, basically. Dude, Tekken Tag still in my memory is like, if I don't look at it in front of my face, it's still like one of the best looking games ever made. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the impression. Yeah. The impression that it made as a PS2 launch game at the time, I was like, holy shit, video games look good now. Yeah. Yes. It was the thing people were calling other people around to look at to be like, dude, check this out. Uh, it was I like that to- in five minutes of ready to rumble boxing. <laughs> I-, I went to somebody's house to see Tekken Tag, and I was like, oh, this is a video game. Um, Actually, I'm not sure if it was Jin or... Cause- Kaiyuza has the devil gene Kazuya. also. Kazuya has the devil gene also, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was devil first. Okay, maybe gene. he was that that was the one I played. I didn't, I remember there being a super cheap move where you just fly in the air and shoot lasers mm, out. Of two your had that. Okay. So <laughs> that could have been, been two. I I feel like fighting games really lean into the hey, you're probably gonna have to punch your granddad at some point mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Which is kind of a it's kind of a like it's a unique it's a really unique feature of the genre. Like you don't you don't get to into like 
predecessor punching a whole lot in like your RPGs or your or your your first person shooters. Oh, I don't know. I mean, patricide is a pretty regular feature of JRPGs. I just think there's a lot of patricide going on in. I'm just going to say, like, you know, anime and sort of Japanese, like, you know, media. It feels like everyone is going for the king, and the king often is your dad. Mm. Or the king's king. Yeah. He's an amazing wrestler. Uh, He's not even the original king. This is King 2. Oh, right. I forgot all about that. They killed King 1. Man, on some level, Tekken has the most amazing cast or lineup of any fighting game franchise. Tekken was... Okay, so when I was in college playing, I played... Rang the the the, yeah. the taekwondo uh, guy yeah Harong yeah. Harong yeah I always said it I don't know um and I remember having to play that game with the stick on my leg and yeah. using my finger like is that is it just is it more was at that point it not a good controller game was mm. it more of a fight stick kind of game because any like, fighting game was a great controller game back then <laughs> yeah I mean it's always been a four button game right so I think it was generally fine okay i think it's more uh, just it, like they some always had the, things like circle and yeah, you know yes. like x or something or like oh, what's the one that's like, across like square circle. and square and circle at the same time like, yeah. yes, they were definitely i would i would just like lay my thumb flat across <laughs> okay. horizontally to hit stuff like that okay uh this is pretty good i like it so far it's really um, fun is the thing like yeah. it, it, even if you just get outside like all the modes and bells and whistles and stuff and just kind of dig into the actual fighting like look tekken 7 was fucking fantastic and this feels like just about as good to me like is it radically different? No, but I didn't really want that coming into this. It wasn't like a Street Fighter Five situation where I felt like they had to do something pretty drastically different to make six, you know, palatable to people. But uh, this is a lot of fun. It's tight. There's a good character variety, style variety. Like, you know, I haven't done a lot of online because I'm just not that good at Tekken. But like, mm-hmm. uh, what I have played, even though I have gotten my ass kicked, has felt at least competitive. So, you know, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's it just I was I wanted good Tekken. I am getting good Tekken. Did you guys you know? uh have you have you messed with the what is their name for their kind of online lounge thing? Did you go in there? I That's popped where in the there Avatar. very briefly, yeah. Yeah, that thing that thing is kind of like a really crappy version of the Street Fighter 6 Battle Hub. It's much better in Street Fighter, yes. Yeah, like the, like the Street Fighter partially, partially because the character creator is so good in Street Fighter 6. You can see all the monstrous designs just running around right in front yep. of you. And this, this, like you said, is full-on Xbox 360 avatar style. 100%. <laughs> like, little cutesy paper doll-looking thing is what you yeah. run around in this thing with. It almost looks um, legally actionable in which, terms of, like, how similar they are. Yeah, which is a real bummer because I haven't messed with it, but by all accounts, the actual character creator, like, for the fighters in this is incredible. Um, that's the other thing is that I went into that hub looking for a way to browse people's designs and I can't mm. find it. Mm. And if I that's not mess with any of that stuff. Yeah, me if, that, if that's not in there, that is criminal because some of the screenshots I've seen of people's designs going around on Twitter are pretty excellent. Um, I've not, not seen a way to browse those. My current path right now is I'm going to probably finish the arcade mode to actually learn how to play Tekken 8 and then go back in, finish the other side story stuff, and then maybe look at some of those other things and then probably put it down and never play online or competitive ever again. Um, because that's kind of how my adult life goes with fighting games. Uh, absorb it. Just read the book. That's Again, all I want to do is read the Tekken book. This has been an incredible last 12 months for fighting games, like just in terms of overall quality, and it's actually kind of shocking to me that I think the one I was maybe the least into overall was Mortal Kombat, but I liked all of them is the thing, so I'm just, I, we're all feasting right now. Yeah. See, see Sonic Fox out there threatening to abandon MK1. No, why? why? It's been like a couple weeks now. I, I didn't get too deep into 
the rationale, but the gist was basically just, hey, the game needs help big time. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, I don't know. I don't know what the particulars are, but it was very much the message was very much like, hey, another realm has got some serious work to do if this thing is going to stay viable competitively. They were always struggling with MK to get it into sort of the limelight of like, you know, main stage uh, yeah. Evo, like not yeah. just being kind of the, the, the first day final stuff. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm on the outside looking in here, but the perception I get is that very little about MK1 has really shifted that weight at all. Like, in very much like, it feels like people are just sort of like, this has a lot of the same problems the other MK games, and it's just it's not pulling in, like, hmm. new players or a lot of, like, new excitement around the current state of MK. And so, yeah, I, that actually doesn't completely surprise me. Yeah, I, I fell off of it almost immediately after the finishing story. I, I put like a good three months into MK11's online. Same. And this, this I played for like a few days online and just kind of didn't go back. The, uh, their NetherRealm games are still published by Warner too, yeah. right? So yeah. that like that is not a publisher that has a great record. It's like, you know, keeping live games live for long periods of time. They're yeah. a little spotty. Well, I mean, the one exception I feel like to that has been NetherRealm up to this point, because NetherRealm has been able to support those games pretty well in the last, especially the last trilogy. But I like right now, I feel like nobody is talking about MK1 anymore. And that is that that is kind of a bummer. I don't think I mentioned it, but in the run up to MK1 coming out, I played some MKX online. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Did I talk about that? Like yeah, I was yeah, just yeah playing, you did. Oh, did I? Okay, yeah. Just like briefly, you, you but can, yeah. You can still play like three games ago MK online and it's it's still functional and there's like three people playing it still. Yeah. Well, best of luck out there Tekken and to everybody playing Tekken online. Some good ass Tekken. Some pretty good Tekken, some pretty silly story stuff out there. Um, all right, you, let's you, take a, you, you Yeah. No, I was we'll, saying, go ahead. you'd think they'd like learn to avoid volcanoes now, right? Like you'd think like somebody's like, "Hey, you come meet me at the volcano." You'd be like, "No, yeah. I'm not going to go there. That's a bad idea." But they keep well, going. They, they both want to throw each other in. <laughs> They're like, oh, "Oh, this is great. We yeah, can't let's go end to the this story until we go to the volcano." <laughs> hubris, hubris. Thy name is volcano. Uh, there is one character. Um, I think it's Reina whose bark at the end uh, is something like, or at the end of her side story thing, because you fight um, Kazuya. Uh, <laughs> after she's done beating up, goes, well, I don't see a suitable cliff nearby, so I guess I'll just leave you there, <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty good. That's fabulous. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. Will, I want to hear what you've been up to and what you've been playing. Stick around. We'll get to it right after this. All right, Will, we are back. And what you been up to? What you been playing? I've been playing old games. Well, I, for, I, I mean, I play Fortnite all the time, but Fortnite's Fortnite's Fortnite. You know, That's you build things. Hmm? That's an old game. It's an old it's, game I mean, that is new again. Is it a game? Like these days, Fortnite is like running around, and while you're waiting for fights to stop, you just like play Fuser for a little bit. It mm -hmm. seems like. Are you? Uh, did you play Lego Fortnite? I played a lot of played played a fair amount of Lego Fortnite. Kind of reached the end of what's in there. And, you did. Uh, yeah, it's is it's 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 a good one of those. I guess I don't know. I, I played a bunch with the kids and then we all got tired of having to, the traveling felt too long from zone to zone. It it needs something better than the glider and like it, it needs, you need to be able to build like fast travel portals between your yes. bases. Right. Um, it, it's, so, it, it, it's a good, like I would have, if I had paid 40 bucks for that, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think mm. is where I ended up, which is amazing because it was free. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, it felt like an early access one of those to me. Like, oh, they'll probably add some more stuff in here to uh, to kind of uh, give the user some more 
options in this stuff. Like I'm not, I'm never a huge fan. And you probably play more survival games than I do of durability on items. And it's a thing that happens in all survival games. I hate when my pickaxe is breaking. I just gotta go make a new one. Right? I I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little tired of punching trees at this point. I played a lot of those <laughs> games. I'm probably yeah. okay for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they needed, they need a thing in like a Fortnite for recycling bad weapons. I don't know if they have them, but like I, I wind up with like a million wooden pickaxes and I'm like, what the hell do I do with these? There's I have a little cabin that's just filled with them. <laughs> It's just like like it's like the cheese wheels all the way to the ceiling of green green busted ass yeah. gray pickaxes that like skeletons drop. It's, it's right, yeah. yes. What do you do with them? Just burn that thing down at just, some point. Just let it sit there and eventually the server resets and they go away. <laughs> Will as as an avid Fortnite player, what is your read on like all these modes they keep shoving in there? Are they just chasing Roblox or are they just trying to say like hey, look at all the other types of games you can make in in this framework? I or is there I think something it's else there? I mean, I think they were trying to get time spent in game up because time spent in game is is has a direct connection to money spent in game on that mm-hmm. kind of, on that kind of game. Um, the the thing that kind of surprises me is that they're all pretty good. Like the, mm. I mean, Alex, I mean, you you were at Harmonics for a long time. I'm sure yeah. you have feelings about how that, like, I do. like, like it's a both of the things that they put in the, the Harmonics ones are the softest of the things that they've added. I think like the rocket racing is is shockingly deep. Um, mm. like if you, if you want to watch some trippy stuff, load up like a high level rocket racing play and watch how people are controlling, uh, like basically using rocket league physics in a racing kind of scenario and, and like people are doing bananas stuff in that the Lego thing was, was surprisingly deep. Like I, I think everybody hit the end of it pretty quickly, but it, the, there's a, there's a thing there for sure. And then adding the jam band stuff into the the fuser stuff into like the battle royale, so you can just bust out and start like, like like take the take the baseline from March of the Pigs and uh, like the vocals from Bad Guy and like some weird Fortnite song that they made for Fortnite and make a pretty okay sounding song and while people are shooting at you, what like yeah, Wait, I didn't know about that. Yeah, that like the jam, all the jam loop stuff, like the fuser style. Fusers they in, took like, all of Harmonix's patents and somehow jammed them in there. Yeah, and and like they and they sell songs for five hundred V bucks each, which I, I like. I don't know what that that's probably like a thousand dollars. I have no idea what a V bucks cost. Um, but yeah, I know so, that the DLC is more expensive than the Rockman DLC, which never went up in price. It was always two dollars a song. Yeah, I think it's five. My guess is it's either six bucks or five bucks. It's either four bucks or six bucks. I can't remember which way yeah. V bucks go, but um, but it, it's it's like it's a surprising, it's a real weird ad in the middle of a competitive shooter, but it it kind of works and it fits the hey, like the Fortnite vibe is always like should we make this sweatier and more competitive or should we just make it fun? And yeah. they seem to always err on the side of fun, which I yeah. appreciate. PDP, just real quick here, PDP apparently announced their guitar today, like IGN oh, uh, yeah. had a preview of it. Uh, looks all right. I might actually get one just because I only have one working RB4 guitar right now, and okay. it looks like they're Xbox compatible, so I will probably just grab one of those. It, the word is that your RB4 instruments are probably going to come to the Fortnite version of the Harmonix main stage. They said they wanted the to future. do that, yeah. It, it, it was part of this list that, that, like, that, that announcement in, included that as well. That's so. good. Yeah, is it a, a four button at top of the neck? A five guitar? button, five button, five button. Yeah, okay. so it's the regular five button. Okay, no, no buttons at the bottom of the neck. No, it has the bottom of the neck buttons, but it's the same functionality as the other guitars, okay. where it's just like a double of the same buttons. Interesting. Okay, for you know, pretending to do your soloing. Yeah, but they look uh, all right. Like they look like okay guitars. Like they they're a little more Guitar Hero looking than the old rock band straight up. Here's a Fender, but like uh, they they look like good builds. It's kind of, a, I, it's kind I of like the, the SG look to it. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. 
and and the neck folds which i thought was nice it's like it's self self-shrinking the rb4 which, guitars did that that's where they introduced oh, that nice well what else have you been playing so i've been playing um i've been playing tunic tunic uh, that was a I'm good playing, game I, yeah like it came out when i was busy it turns out a couple uh-huh. years last year maybe and I never got That's to weird. it. And I have a little, I you know, fun employed now, so I have a little bit of time. And I I fired it up on the old Steam Deck. And man, that's a good video game. It turns out pretty good, pretty good. It, uh, how far into it are you? Uh, like probably, I I don't know. I've done. I've hit one of the bells. I'm at the second bell. Okay. Um, I've got. I've gone east pretty far now. <laughs> okay. Uh, my I keep finding stuff behind stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's way harder than I was expecting. Kind of. You know, like I, I don't, I, I guess I didn't know exactly what to expect from this and, and I was expecting kind of a straight Zelda like, mm. and it's a little more, it's a little more complicated than that, which has been fun. A little more actiony, a little more uh, combat focused. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a, it's weird though. Cause like, like the blocks, so some of the stuff slower than I expected. I love that. It's just obscures. Like I, like, I think maybe I can increase my attack and defense and stuff by eating stuff but i don't know because the manual's written in some weird language that i don't understand and i'm just like i'm just pressing buttons and trying stuff and i, I like I, I i guess i need to call my nintendo uncle or whatever and get them to tell me how the game actually works call the tip uh, line yeah that's um, it is very nes it's not like i'm it's not some great revelation or something but i have been playing some nes games recently and boy like i jumped into section z the other day for example and it was like man they don't tell you anything they like, never did I, I went back to play the original metal gear last year and was like wow that, yeah same thing there's no like it's like press a to do things and press b to do other things and then good luck mm-hmm. here's the inventory screen um and this this has that kind of that similar similar vibe so but you're enjoying it yeah it's 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 a like it's funny. I thought it was a Steam Deck game, and I end up sitting in front of the computer playing it more often than than anything. Not because of perf or anything, but just because it, it's worthy of like full attention in a dedicated space. Uh, and I I was pleasantly surprised by that. I I really really like Tunic. I thought they for some of the very much I think optional later puzzles. I thought they asked too much of the of of someone. Uh, but for the most part, I thought I love things that have language, weird arcane mystery languages that you decipher. And I thought the manual pages and discovering those manual pages was super fun. Later on, though, I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm too old. I don't have the time to do what you're asking me here. Stop it. Okay, we're done. Uh, well, and I just wound up looking some stuff up. I, I looked at, like, I was sitting there looking at the pause menu the other day, and I was like, oh, the pause menu has the weird glyphs on it. I could probably use the context of this to, to like, start on a on a decrypting the, the thing. Because I did that, like, I found the, like, playing Fez, I did that yes. a decade ago. And I'm like, these glyphs are too hard to read and too far from what I'm accustomed to as a human for me to do this work on, I think. Cause like, I, I don't even, I don't think I can write these down realistically. It's not like I can make a, make a, make a decryption cheat Wheel. sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, like I, I'm, my assumption is that they don't want me to do that, but also maybe I'll fire up the stream one night and just open it up and start, you know, start, start on the, on the, on the glyph yes. pad and, and, and see what I can do. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's the thing that shocked me about it more than anything was how hard the first like hour of it is. Mm. It is, a, it, it's a hard start. It doesn't tell you really where to go. Nope. You kind of only have one path, but, but it's, it's like in, in the modern context where you're, I, I don't think it was, I can't remember if it was on game pass or not. Um, but it was, 
like it's a scary it would have been a scary game to release because like you have five minutes to grab people these days mm. and like that game kicked my ass for a good hour before i i kind of got to the point that i had my feet under me and and had found a shield and all the stuff that i needed to be like kind of combat complete uh i i'm glad you're playing through it i think i think it's a phenomenal game so uh hopefully it grabs you and uh if you like the language stuff don't sleep on chance of sonar if you haven't played it so oh. uh, Ooh. chance of sonar great game i'll just say good for decoding languages adding pretty much it. the entire game's hook i'm adding um, it to the list oh please do yeah you should check it out uh well, any other games you want to talk about that you've been up to? So the other one, the other one I've been playing is another old game because that's uh, apparently that's my that's my jam today. Uh, is rounds? Uh, a friend of mine recommended it to play on the stream, and it's in that it's in that ultimate chicken horse kind of four player. Well, okay, I guess by default it's a t- one to two player game, but it also has extensive mod support. So if you install the mods, you can play mm. up to like sixteen players, and it is it is um i think they describe it as a roguelite but it's basically you on each round you start as a little ball guy who can jump around and shoot stuff right you shoot at other people you can block it's really simple the blocks on a really long cooldown and everybody who loses the round gets to pick a card that gives them some power up so you like that's where your roguelike progression comes in and um the cards the default cards are great there's mods that add hundreds of additional cards and like you can build really kind of buck wild uh like you can build block heavy builds you can build shoot heavy builds you can build like debuff and and like dotted damage over time builds it ends up being a real good kind of chaos couchy game and it works great uh with the steam uh the steam what it was called steam stream uh like oh, so you get local thing. remote local stuff going yeah so you well so, so since stream it's sharing or stream sharing yeah yeah it's since you need really the mods to make it work great it's a pain in the ass to keep everybody's mods ah, in sync okay. so it's easier for me to just like set up the mods on my machine and then share it out with the people i'm so, playing with remote play together is that their remote, official name for that it? is the official name yeah <laughs> okay remote, that's, remote not, play that's together. a great name that was, that was, says what it is rpt hey, yeah, you know, you can remote play, but together, Vinny, it's perfect sense. Uh, are, are those are those workshop mods, or are they just mods that people have hacked in there? Because I don't see workshop support on the Steam page. So it doesn't have workshop support. You have to do it with um, Thunder, the Thunder Store, I think is what it's called, which is now owned by Overwolf. Um, it's it's yeah, the same thing you used to do, like Java Minecraft mods, uh, uh, in my experience. So yeah. Uh, like, that's a cool idea like like rewarding or not rewarding but like giving giving the power-ups to the losers of each round is a cool way to kind of keep escalating Balance. you know it's just sort of power creep get people but back in the game who are it automatically rubber bands like occasionally yeah. somebody will put together a build that's like madly overpowered and they'll win like two rounds in a row and then everybody else gets two cards to catch up and also tends to gang up on the person that's winning so like it, it just kind of it self-corrects in a way that that is ridiculous and like it's not it's not it's not like a sport in the same way that like a fighting game is, but it's it's a very fun way to spend an hour with some friends. Yeah, also the, the, the animation on some of these effects also is bananas. Like I'm kind of surprised I had never heard of this before. I'm surprised it didn't like take off more because it looks pretty rad. Well, they they have like they have a shock like looking at their Steam page. They have like twenty thousand oh, reviews. It's overwhelmingly yeah. positive. Yeah, I had never heard well. of it. I was shocked. I'm with you. I'm, I'm gonna pick this up and try and play with uh, the kids and. This looks like a fun game too for when my son has friends over and they need something to play together. My uh, my daughter and I play it fairly regularly, and then I also, like I said, I, I load up the four player mod and we play. I think more than that, it might be a little slow. 
Um, but but the the four players is is quite good. Um, and it's it still holds together. At four yeah, players, it gets it gets chaos. So the big thing that happens when you change when you install the multi more than four player mod is instead of having a best of five, you go to best of three because mm. you end up with way more cards. Assuming somebody doesn't run away with it, um, like in 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 the mix with four players, sure. Um, it it ends up it's just it's just like like in the same way that Chicken Horse devolves when you get late game and like just things are crazy and people have like black holes and there's arrows circling the black holes uh-huh. and there's fireballs going everywhere. It's the same kind of good good fun chaos so rounds available on steam six bucks it's a dollar a, game it's 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 two on humble oh yeah okay good yeah good. don't tell anybody <laughs> well tell everybody yeah it's two dollars on, on humble yeah two bucks on humble it's yeah it's a lot of fun uh well have you tried the latest craze in video games Ooh. pow, pow world <laughs> You mean, wait, wait, as I understand it, that's the game where the Pokemons have guns, right? So After that's... about 12 hours, yes. Wait, what? <laughs> so so I know that's the, okay, so I booted this up, it's on Game Pass, and I was like, oh, you know, we talked, I think, a little bit about it last time, aside from all the uh, kind of controversy and stuff circling around it, about the difference between the console versions and the Steam version, and, you know, servers, and the, what gets updates, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this on Game Pass, because I don't know if I want to uh, buy it yet, even though I think the game's like 30 bucks. and. It's much more, my humble opinion mm-hmm. is that it is much more a rock and stick survival punch tree games than a Pokemon game. Oh, yeah. It, it oh, yeah. is. Yeah, it is. So it's less Pokemon with guns and more arc with Pokemon. You know, it is, it is much more <laughs> um, like, I, you know, you spend your time in there building and chopping trees, getting stone and, and capturing these uh critters to then you know work in your minds or <laughs> chop down your trees they seem happy to do it so it's like um, extreme capitalism simulator is what i'm hearing uh yeah maybe with pokemon um, Okay. and you know i was kind of explaining it to my wife and i was like trying to going over the whole thing of like oh you know people are really upset you know the kind of uh close nature of the similarities between the pokemon i think a lot of pokemon are, uh, fans are upset because you know they're arming pokemon and you can kind of eat them or kill them and then kind of put them to work and she was basically like, is that better than the dog fighting of Pokemon? That's where you the thing, cap- right? Capture them to live a life of fighting in an arena forever. But also, they live in a tiny ball, right? Like you're imprisoning them in something that fits yeah. in your pocket. You put some of the lucky ones, guess, go to forced breeding camps. And the other ones are are, are like in, 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 in battles to the death for your entertainment and pleasure. Well, look, I mean, it's, it's not the difference between making subtext text like the, the, the subtext in Pokemon almost already always was text. It's more like taking the text and screaming it at full volume. These get like these things will just kill each other. Here's some guns. <laughs> do they do they actually die, though? Or do they, uh, do they get like like do they just get real tired and have to take a break for a little bit? So to lower their uh, to capture them, you have to lower their health. And if you hit them a little too much, they get big X's on their eyes and just kind of fall <laughs> to the side. And oh, just kind of they're roll. just drunk. It's fine. I assume they're dead because they just kind of roll like one just rolled into a river and flowed down the river. So there's no like bubbles coming out of their head. I think they're dead. I also think All you right. can eat them. Uh, so it's, what do you think they taste like? Do you get buffs? Uh, I did not get any buffs. I assume they all taste like cotton candy. Is what I assume they all taste like. Mm-hmm. I mm. have a bunch of like I don't know if the the food gives you buffs. Probably it's a survival game, so at some point you probably get buffs from eating certain lamb balls or whatever they they call. I have a bunch of lambs working my um, wool farm, and I got a bunch of cats mining <laughs> working in the mines right now. And so each 
oh gosh, what a pal. Each pal in the world has an attribute. Some are, or multiple attributes. Some are good at farming, mining, uh, chopping trees. And so if you capture the ones, the right ones, you can put them, or, or they can, I was going to say, put them to work. They can help you out at your base. Uh, if you kind of bring them in and, and release them into your base, you can only have a certain amount per base level working in there. So you want to go out and capture ones that'll aid the thing you need for your base. So you don't have to do it yourself. So you don't want to sit there crafting or chopping trees all day. You can find some pals that are good at chopping trees and they'll, they'll do it for you. So, so, but they can leave anytime they want. Right. And you're paying them for their time. Uh, they can leave anytime they want. I've ne- we've never heard from the ones that leave the, <laughs> the ones that they, they never they never write back oddly enough uh, weird they all yeah, go yeah. to the same farm upstate it's very strange <laughs> so it's always we have a big celebratory dinner the day after where there's a big feast and we all we all dine on lamb chops after they leave the day uh-huh. after. what oh wow that's what what's the is the backstory that these are like genetically modified like are you breeding these things to to do the your uh, bidding is it like satisfactory okay. but with biotech so I haven't played a ton of it. I put a couple hours in. To tell you the funniest thing is, you start the game, you make your character, you start the game, you go into this world. There's just this person leaning up against the rock, and I'm just gonna paraphrase because I don't remember what the quote is. But the vibe is, this person talks to you and is like, "This goddamn pals killed everybody I know. <laughs> I killed everyone I know." Uh, and you just like go into this world, there, like watch out. Uh, I don't know what's happening in this world. I don't know what the setup is. Sounds it like also, nothing good. It also is in preview mode and it's early access. So it's, you know, it's pretty rough in spots. It's not, it's not a polished game. You're not going to confuse this, confuse this for anything Pokemon aside from just looking at it. Right. Like when you see it's more breath of the wild than anything, you're climbing on cliffs with the kind of breath of the wild animation. But once you're moving around, you have left Pokemonville behind, and except for again the character designs, it is much more survival game. It is a hundred percent. It it sounds like they made Spartacus, but with but you play the Romans and and the 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 the, the slaves are Pokemon is what I'm I hearing. love you, Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what's happening in the PAL world. I. I venture out every once in a while to go discover a new pal and get their health down and stick them in a ball and bring them back to my base uh, to see what I can do. And then the game tells me to level up my base every once in a while. So far, I, again, pretty early on wow. in it. Um, I wanted to make sure I played some of it before whatever happens with pal world, like whatever. I mean, what's happening is it's going to sell another 70,000 million copies. Yeah, yeah, Microsoft just put a release out this morning about it's a Game Pass launch. Not I, it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't even know what the Steam sales are up to at this point. This time last week, it was over 7 million sold. I think they're up to 12 Steam. now. Yeah, Jesus. But like they, Microsoft, Microsoft said that it's been like over 7 million players just on Xbox as well. At, at one point, I looked and like they were... Their their peak player record on Steam was approaching the PUBG peak from like 2017. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Like that's um, yeah. I think Microsoft said it was their it's now taken the most played third party game ever on Big, yeah biggest biggest third party launch on Game Pass. They're saying yeah. so Oof. like. I'm, you know, uh, I think it was Game Freaks put out their statement that's like, we love all our Pokemon friends and we'll do whatever we'll we have to. We'll never give them guns. We'll do what we can to protect them. I've read too many think pieces now on where copyright stands and trademark and like what happens. And I, 
I'm at the point now where all of them just seem to agree that like, look, it's more complicated than just this thing looks like a Pokemon. You can't just, can't just, Nintendo's not just going to launch a lawsuit because this thing looks like a Pokemon. They have to have actual IP theft. And that means a couple of different things. There's, you know, trademark, copyright, uh, mechanics, all those things. So like, I, I don't know, will this game ever come down? This game's one of those weird things in the gaming industry that happens every once in a while that you're like, the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? There's obviously a demand in the market to give this genre collision enough oxygen to just explode, right? Mm -hmm. Like the survival game genre mixed with the cute Pokemon stuff apparently was just waiting to happen and they capitalized on it. I mean, it. I, I think I, I think I said this last week, but I think a lot of the ire from the Pokemon crowd is actually that somebody else went and made a better game. Might <laughs> this be. concept. Yeah. Well, I want to know what the next Pokemon Plus crossover is. Is it like dating simulators? Is <laughs> That's it? That's got to exist, right? Is it, I mean, it's it's kind of already in there, but also you know you can. We go had deeper. that game. We had that game. It was called Viva Pinata. <laughs> oh, nice. it is too good for this world. Um, you know, I, I it's it's so well. <laughs> it's one of those things I launched, and I was like, I had heard so many different things about. It, I wanted to try it. Um, and I had shown it to my kids, you know, and I said this last time, look, there's absolutely brand confusion. They were like, well, it's Pokemon. What? That's not Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 no, no, it's not. Um, and so I don't know, like, uh, would I play it with my kids? Uh, maybe. It's like not, I thought it was going to be way darker where you're just like gutting the Pokemon in some like, you know, Red Dead style scene <laughs> with, with a knife. Apparently you can skin them and take their parts, but they don't show it. But I'll, I'll play a little bit more and see. I was, I'm was i not a huge survival game person. I like playing them with you guys, like Sons of the Forest and, and Valheim and stuff, but I rarely just kind of stick with them on my own. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Is Pal it, World. Is it shared? Is it like a shared experience? Can you play with multiple people? Or is oh, it yeah. just... Yeah, okay. it's, yeah, it's weird, though. The platform split is weird. Like, last I checked, I don't think this has changed. Xbox could only do four players per game, but Steam could do 32. Yeah. Which is a strange oh. disparity. Um, I wonder if that'll change sooner than later uh, with the amount of resources they might have now. I wonder yeah, it's, if that's it's possible. So it sounds like the Xbox version is just quite a bit behind the Steam version for platform reasons. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's that's my take on Power World so far. I know a lot of people are playing it out there. The numbers don't lie. They're very yeah, high. My, 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 weekly, my weekly game group has been out of town, so we haven't got to play in a couple weeks, but it's like the, the group text is... 80% Pal World right now. Interest yeah, in Pal get, World. Are you going to get into Pal World? I think we probably will play some Pal World when everybody's home. You going to play it on the PC, I uh, assume? Yes, they're all... It's it's weird. It's interesting. They all have kids. You know, they all like, you know, there's family considerations. What platform should we play on? Stuff going on there. They all have Game Pass, but they still all have just gone and bought a bunch, like multiple Steam copies. Okay. Because uh, okay. that I think that's where all of the children want to play. <laughs> on Steam? Yes. Um, They all want that uh, bootleg Pokemon mod for it, you know? Uh, which you can't get. Also, there's uh, something. I mean, Will maybe you can appreciate this. I just it just occurred to me. There's something very heartwarming as like a uh, lapsed '90s PC only game player about the idea that young children want to play games on computers. My, not, my daughter is like ninety percent. Like she 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 plays a couple things on the Steam on the on the Switch, but and, and like plays Roblox on the iPad. But she's like. Now, these days, the PC is the Roblox platform of choice because she likes mm -hmm. the mouse and keyboard. So I feel like I've done something right, at least. 
feel like my my kids don't know the difference because of the Steam Link or the the Moonlight setup, mm-hmm. where it's like they all just boot up into big picture mode and they just play the game from there. They only know they can't play the PC games when Dad's on the PC. Uh, yeah, that's that's the big problem. Uh, also, they know that they can't mess up my saves. That's the other problem. Though I did build that other Steam machine so they can mess up all their saves they want now. Um, just quickly here, um, I've been uh, continuing with Sea of Stars, but Will, you finished Sea of Stars. Yeah, I played it over the holidays uh, in like a, a seven-day fury, basically. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Damn. It's it's really good. It's a it's a lovely it's a it's a real like it's clearly made by people who love that era of JRPG like the SNES and and Genesis and all and all those. Yeah, I'm really digging it. I I had um I mentioned it a couple of shows ago that I had a moment in the story where I was like this is garbage, but now I'm back in. Um, and I was telling you where I was before and where would you estimate I am kind of. Uh, I would guess like depending on how much the thing is you're you're at the, toward the end of the game there's a lot of side stuff you can choose to do ah, there's okay. good there's good payoff for actually doing it like I went back and did it all after I after I powered through and beat the game the first time um it it's uh you're probably like three quarters even if you do three all quarters. the side stuff yeah okay like it's it's and it's and it's you're at the point now where I would say like like if you're playing Kotor you're after that big reveal when you're like when you can suddenly start looking at guides um <laughs> okay like you could look at guides now if you want and and kind of use those to hit the last few things that you have to do um they also give good tools in game that help you so you don't have to do that if you don't want to I, for those listening, uh, without spoiling anything, I have activated the Speedball Network. That's a, That should probably be enough to let people know where I'm at. I, I really dig that game's vibes, um, and my uh, my kids are playing it, and there's a my son's uh, really, really invested in it, and there's some moments in that story I'm kind of worried about him getting up to that, like, uh, with some character moments, and I'm like, Look, if you if you need to talk about what happened to this character, like it's, it's okay, it's okay. We can we can sit and talk. It'll be it, it's it's nice because they're at an age now where like the feelings are real about things that happen mm-hmm. in media they're consuming, and like we yeah we have those talks a lot. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, you know, talks through video games. Mm-hmm. That's what if we need to talk about what happened to Aerith here. Aerith. Uh, well, we can talk about. Well, it. Brad spoiled that one for me, so you know. There is no spoiling that. that, that oh, was, it happened. It, uh, the, the, it he's happened. not joking. <laughs> Truly yeah, happened. I quite, I, I, quite, no I quite literally spoiled that for him on a podcast sometime in the last, what would you say, 18 months? Four years. I don't know. Since we started the tech pod. <laughs> I guess. But it, he, was when, he, it was when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out because I never, I didn't have a PlayStation 1, so I never played the first one. He mm. legitimately made it well over 20 years not knowing about that. That's incredible. Good for you. Yeah. Well, Though I don't know. I, I personally, I'm not even saying this out of spoilers. So I'm not even sure how relevant those spoilers are anymore uh, in terms of modern Final Fantasy. We'll yeah. find out in a few months, right? I guess so. Uh, yeah, but I, I should mention real quick, I'm going to be streaming some FF7 Remake. Hell yeah. Uh, by the time people hear this, it will not have happened yet. Mm-hmm. If you want to come hang out and help me get back into that game, I kind of want to mainline the rest of that story before Rebirth comes out. It, it was yes. fun to stream. Like, that was a fun game to stream because people were like, like they people were having fun with it and yeah. kind of stringing me along in a good way. Uh, All right. Very quickly here, or maybe not so quickly. Um, anything else you guys have? Uh, Alex, you play any more uh, yeah. Infinite Wealth? I played a lot of Infinite Wealth, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Speaking of bootleg Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely out of the tutorial, though I have definitely not found all the modes yet, because I still have not unlocked the Animal Crossing mode in that game, uh, the island thing, but I am now fully into the Sujimon minigame, which is the 
scumbag Pokemon uh, battling uh-huh. system because before you could just catalog them in the last Like a Dragon. Now you can actually battle them in mini games. Oh God! Uh, in teams of three. Yikes! That's t- <laughs> huh. is is That's is this a little like, bit like bum fights adjacent kind, kind of, of thing? <laughs> It's it's in the neighborhood, especially considering anyone who is considered a Sujimon seems to lose all intelligence and agency the second they are brought in. Uh, is it fun? Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's not okay. my favorite battling minigame in one of these, sure. but it's fun enough. And the story around it is really stupid, which I enjoy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a very typical in the, these games style of like, here is a side battling game. There are a lot of mm-hmm. these. There was a tower defense game in six. Like, there's a bunch of versions of this in in all these. But also now I have a lot more of Hawaii opened up. I am running around. I am doing sub stories. Uh, I know more about what's going on with Kiryu. Uh, I have not added any new members to my party yet. Uh, but those three have been serving me just fine. There's a lot of mini games and a lot of sub stories. There's just a lot on that map, man. This is a stupid question, but the like a dragon means that it's the RPG ones, not the beat 'em ups, right? Well, so the short version of this is that in Japan they were always called like a dragon, all of them. Okay, that was always the branding in Japan because you know Yakuza has a very specific connotation to it. Even though all those characters were Yakuza, they they were not part of the branding there. Uh, and then with the seventh one, which was Yakuza 7 Like a Dragon, they were like, we're just going to call them all Like a Dragon from now on. Okay. Yeah, so there was like actually... Biohazard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like it, it kind of... This, I actually just sort of put the pieces on this together. There was a big push when they brought the very first Yakuza over to America to kind of westernize it. Like they cast a bunch of big name actors in it. Yes. Um, Mark so Hamill. The, I think... Yes, like, uh, gosh, all, all kinds of people you've heard Manson of from, was in from movies are, yes, are in that first Yakuza game. And I'm sure that was part of the rebrand there was like, hey, Westerners know what Yakuza means as like, you know, Japanese mafioso. And they were uh, also really, if I remember correctly, they were really trying to frame it as Japan's GTA. Yes, which is, very like, yes, it was definitely in that in that vein or that's what they were going for. And okay. then it's super did not sell. Yeah. So uh, this one's a turn-based thing? Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Like yeah, the, the last, last one was, was too. Okay. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, the battling system is better, I think, in this one overall. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just hitting all the right notes for me so far. I'm very invested in the story. There's, there's, It's swinging hard between its usual tones of deathly seriousness and the most cartoonish ridiculousness imaginable, and sometimes in the same scene. Uh, but I'm actually pretty impressed with how... Because this is a new creative team. I mean, it's it's it is certainly certain some of the people who have worked on these recent games, but the people in charge of that studio now were not the people that were in charge like four or five years ago. So there is a no lack of confidence and no shakiness, as far as I can tell, in terms of how they are approaching their new their story and their characters in this one. It, it's bonkers that this is out so soon after the man who writes his name because that was just November, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that was, was that, that was ago. an older that was an older okay. game that they had just recently brought over, though. It wasn't that out. much older, though. It was in the last like year, I think. In Japan, in Japan, I don't think I was don't it? think they put that one out that long ago in Japan. Oh, maybe I was thinking of the other one that came out last year, Ishin. Yes, that one was older. Right? That's the older. Yeah, that one is from the PS3 360 right. era. I think yes, that's that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So you're enjoying it. I am. I'm I'm very much into it. All right. Infinite wealth. Infinite wealth. Keep going. Still very good. Let's get into some final thoughts here, maybe, on Prince of Persia. Yeah. 
the Lost Crown. Now, again, spoiler warning, we're, we're not going to hold back on some story, story stuff here or power stuff, so here's your spoor, spoiler warning for Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown. Brad, you finished it. I, yes, I did finish it. I think I will hold back on some stuff in the last, last three, four hours of that story, because I really ended up liking that story way more than I thought I would. Like, which parts? <laughs> well, <laughs> Tell I, me the explicit I mean, there part. are a couple of reveals that are quite good, honestly, that I mm. actually would rather let people find out on their own. But I, I will just say, like, that thing reaches in a kind of an emotional crescendo that I was not expecting, because I was kind of down on how much story there was early on in that game uh, when, when we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Mm. They really they really tie it together, I will say. Yeah, I, I really think, like it. I think the stuff they do with the time time travel and kind of weaving timelines together uh, it's very good. What did you think of the battles, the kind of boss battles near the end? Um, so, I mean, that's a, a comment at that from multiple angles. I, I am like shockingly close to having 100% of that game. Like I've been spending all my time wringing just about every bit out of it I could. I kind of was so powerful by the end of the game. that I just sort of like the Walk last two, stuff. the last two boss fights in particular were just like, whatever. I actually beat the last boss on the first try. Because you're, um, you're because of how much health you had, or yeah, a lot of, of health, okay. a lot of health. Like I had all five potions, I think as many potions as you can have. Yeah, I had probably, God, I bet I had thirteen, fourteen health bars by the end. Sure, um, I had the swords. The swords were maxed. Right. Um, like I was just kind of, but also the, like the last boss fight, they kind of give you an assist at the end. Like they they turn. Oh, on. like when you like go Super Saiyan. There's, I mean, that's an Athra Surge that you can, that's actually one I had been using that basically just makes you super fast and super powerful. Yeah, yeah. And they just turn that on permanently for the last, like, fa- the third phase, phase of the last boss fight, basically. So you can kind of, they want you to tear through that part, I think. Um, that game's stupendous. Like, it really is just excellent. Like, I, I definitely will echo what you said last week. It's a little too buggy currently. Uh, although they did fix, actually, like a side quest was broken for me that they seem to have fixed at some point. So like they, they are cleaning it up and there need to be way more fast travel points in that thing. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to 100% that that's, thing. That's, that's the thing. Like, so I did, I finished all the side quests except for the, um, the urns one, like to collect all the urns. Cause there was a bajillion of those. Yeah. Although it actually turns out I'm only missing maybe like eight of them. Oh, total the story now. urns for the plaque. Yeah. The, the yes, okay. the plaque, the fresco that you're completing throughout the oh, game. But you got all the lore items. No, 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 not all that. Okay. I, I did all the side quests. I got all, okay. I did all the architects, okay. puzzles. Yes. Um, I did all the, the urns. I, I, the only thing I didn't but get did were all, all the, the urns. What's that? You did do all the urns? You finished I did all the urns. Oh, geez, man. But there, but that's a pretty easy one because there are like two in each area, right? Like, or three, at least, yeah. Yeah. Like navigating those areas weren't, the lore items, I did not go back no, and no, get no, all no. of those. I definitely did not. And you don't have to get all those to quote unquote 100%. Like to, to get the platinum on PS5, you don't have to get. Okay. All the lore items, thankfully. And I did not do the architect quest because I thought that was really? everything. Yeah, yeah. Is that not everything? What what treasures are she, is she talking about? Um, she's like, go go get all my treasures for, throughout the. So the, you know, she's the she's uh, she got that like circle of stones, stone slabs like spinning around her. Do you remember that? Yes. Did you notice that those correspond to what the icons on the map as you do those puzzles? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. You did some of those puzzles, right? 
I did some one or two of them were lit up when I went in there, and then okay, oh, those are the ones you did. Oh, so you didn't do all of those? Interesting. Well, when I went in there, you're talking about the little. Oh, they correspond to the little platform puzzles where the chest comes out of the ground. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I did more of those after. I didn't realize those were connected to her. I see. So those, uh, yeah, those are her puzzles. You have to do all those to light up uh, her whole wheel and then open up her workshop, which really just gets you another health bar and some lore items. So that's the part I thought was kind of a bummer. Was I wish I had been taking pictures of those puzzles Same. as I was going. Extreme, extreme yeah. same and i actually had to look up a guide to find out where they all were yeah at least I, they they show them on the map when you're done because those puzzles are arguably the coolest thing in that game but they are very unrelated to the core action platforming yeah. gameplay of that game they're much more like adventure game puzzles totally and i wish they i actually wish they tutorialized the fact that you can interact with that world in that way a little better yeah because like each one of them is just this bespoke thing that they must have like written custom code for you know what i mean it's like you're not just throwing switches and like doing normal Prince of Persia stuff. Yeah. Like I I'm trying to think how to explain it without just, well, like the one that is like, you just have to cut all the grass around it. Right. Yeah, so and there's it's that like, one or like yeah. there's a, did you do the tic-tac-toe one? Uh, yes, I did. Like, yes. That's crazy. Like when you, you use not, the, the, the chakram thing or the, your, your, your chakram is a circle Yeah, and you have to throw your circle and make it hover in the exact yeah. right spot in the background to complete a tic-tac-toe game yeah. in the background. And then that triggers a thing, you know, it's like there's, I, I had to look up the solution to the one with the, um, the, the smashing snakes, the two snakes oh, that are, yes, yeah. Yeah. I did. I would, did not understand how so, to solve that one. I, I, I guessed what to do there, but then I had to look up where to go get that enemy from. <laughs> okay. But like that one, that one, there's like, you only, your only clue is there's a statue of this enemy in the background yeah. of the, of the room, which is not conspicuous at all. That's the thing about these puzzles. They don't call your attention to them at all. But if you look, that statue in the background is like, Oh, I've seen that enemy somewhere. Yeah. You literally have to go capture that enemy and carry them across the entire map bring them back to that room and drop them into a pit and make them get crushed by these pistons um, uh, to, to finish that puzzle. Like there it's weird stuff. Like it's cool I, though that you're right. Those are super cool. Um, I, I think my favorite quote unquote puzzles are the platforming ones that for those Xerxes coins where you have to really, really do some, what feels like some mind bending platforming to land uh, and retrieve the coin. That stuff is makes you feel like a real ninja when you're done with it. Yeah, that. yeah. Those those things are are pretty tricky. I, I did every one I came across. I didn't go looking for them because I also had like 35 Xerxes coins by the end I of the know, game I, yeah. that I hadn't spent, even after yes. I bought everything I wanted. The Xerxes economy, especially if there's that vendor who only takes them. There's like nothing yeah. there I wanted to buy from I, that vendor. I never bought a thing from that guy. Uh, and like I had basically the four or five amulets I was working with kind of maxed out pretty early on. Um but yeah, the, but those are fun to do. Like, yeah, yes. Did you like wind the, up using that teleport ability more in the bosses? Uh, a bit, a okay. little bit. Um, not a ton. That's like I said, I, I was just so survivable by the end. That um, what is it? The 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 master of the seas boss, the the guy who's the the, the uh, sailor, the the big. Oh yeah. wait, wait, you're talking about the big heavy immortal guy? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember his was the his was the attack that. I had the most trouble staying out of his special attack was he does this like um, horizontal spinning attack yeah. that you have to jump over, but then takes a quick second of a break and you have to get back over, but you have to be in the air long enough. Uh, and that was super fun once I figured out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That game, I, I will say among Metroidvanias, that game, it's either this or, or the second Ori game has the most like fuck it attitude toward all of the previous constraints they have placed on you as a player. Yeah, because by the time you get all the powers in this game, you are just flying over everything that used so to be cool. an obstacle. Like they do not care anymore. <laughs> like you finally well, get that get grappling hook kind of thing. 
Yeah. And like the but, grappling, every time you grapple, it also renews your air dash and double jump. So you literally can just never touch the ground again in areas where you can grapple. Especially, well, you can grapple the enemies too, which is great. Yes, that's the other thing is you can, and you can pull a lot of enemies to you and, and other, like you can zip to, to all kinds of stuff. It's ridiculous. But that being said, there are certain areas that are still a pain in the butt yeah, to traverse. Yes, and you're like, like the, the deserty one, like the, um, the one that's by the snake boss, which is like, I just don't feel like running through this. Yes, area there's, there's, there's one, uh, there's one puzzle in the forest that makes you like throw the chakra and warp around to make a clone to raise these different gates. And they never, I never found a way around that. It's right next to a fast travel point. So I just had to do that puzzle like eight different oh, times. Oh yes. Yes. Right. Every yeah. time I pass through there, um, yeah. in the upper city, the, the big spiked pistons kind of things that go yep. up and down that you platform over. There's like, you end up running back and forth through those over and over. It's just, it just gets old after you've, yes. after you've platformed a thing a dozen times, you're like, man, just like a couple more fast travel spots. So I didn't have to do this over and over. Uh, it made me at some point definitely be like, I should just have a map and a guide open. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to run through this and then have to run back if I don't need to, yeah. um, to do it. But yeah. that game um, is awesome. It's, it's I'm so fantastic. glad you finished it. It's fantastic. I, I, another, another thing I have to commend them for they get so much mileage out of clever art design in spots. Like 80% of that game is just like what you would expect a game set in ancient Persia to look like, you know, it looks good, but like pretty conventional. But then there's that spot with the frozen sea. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, holy shit, man. Like there is no, there's no tech there. <laughs> like, you know, it's a Prince of Persia game. Like it plays around with time all over the place. That's the whole conceit of this mountain you're trapped on. But so this is not like unless you consider environment design a spoiler is not a spoiler, but like you get to a spot on the coast. Hey, we're where here the ocean for spoilers, is. man. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Like this level at, on the coast is set in the middle of this raging naval battle, except everything is frozen in time. Yeah. So there's like ships. You're like platforming over a ship that is literally like exploding in half in freeze frame. There are like bodies flying everywhere. Um, you run on the ocean like the ocean itself becomes the ground like. You know what I mean? Like big, yeah. big tidal wave is like a, is like a hill you run up, you know, it's like, there's no special tech there, you know, it's just, Hey, they decided to make all the art assets in this area look like the ocean that you're running on. But the effect of it is like, so incredibly cool. I, I just like sat there slack jawed for a minute when I got to that area. That area is very cool. Um, and I think I mentioned this last time, but my, I think my favorite enemy, I don't know if you have encountered it again, the one that runs in reverse, the, they're in the desert area. All their animations are reversed. Um, they're like pulling the spear back towards oh, them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those guys are very cool. Will, yeah. have you played this? I, 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 this completely flew under the radar for me. I, I didn't, okay. I haven't heard anything about, but you've, you like listening to you guys talk about it. It's kind of convinced me that I should probably pick this up. Yeah, like if you're if you're if you're down for a Metroidvania, this is an extremely extremely good one. I I love a Metroidvania, and I also like I just love content touriseming through a game that like yes. a thousand people worked on. Because mm-hmm. I I assume I, I don't I assume you haven't rolled credits yet, so you don't know like if this isn't the normal like forty five minute Ubisoft credit. No, I, I, I did finish. I did finish it. The credits are very long, but I think the core team on this actually was quite small. Like it has okay. the feel of a like smaller scale kind of game. I mean, it's very light. Actually, like, it was like, I was like 23 hours when I finished it or something. It's not oh. short, but it feel, it has the feel of a small scope of development. I guess I would say like, like for, for me, I'm much more likely to play something that's 20, 10 or 20 hours just cause like, I, I, I don't have, I can't, I can't spend 60 hours playing a lot of RPGs at this point. Yeah. Like and this, and this sounds compelling. Yeah. Th- this felt a little bit on the long side for this type of game, but I didn't, it never quite wore out. It's welcome. Does it, how does it like, does it have like the combat tightness of something like, like it's, the Valkyries and God of yes. War or any of that? 
that was like the last thing I was waiting to say is like, this is just a movement and combat game. This is like an all timer in the genre. Yeah. Like just the feel, the feel of the double jump, the air dash, the grappling hook, the com, like all the, the, the combo, the combos, like the combat is extremely nuanced. Like there's tons of combos you can do. Um, just the, the, it's, it's incredibly tight and really satisfying to play. When I finally got around to playing God of War, the, the first one, I haven't, I haven't really gotten into Ragnarok yet. I, I was, I was so taken by how fun it felt to play the game. Like just the, the motions. And this seems like similar, a similar kind of sitch. Yeah, it's, awesome. it, I, it's great. I think Brad, like you said, the um, the the power curve is really fun in this one. Like you you just wind up in this state of like I, I feel like when you start out, you're kind of dancing with every enemy, and by the end, you're you don't even care. You're just zipping through, putting enemies in your pocket, basically if they're annoying. Uh, Alex, you think you're going back to it? Or are you done? I there's just too many other things in front of me right now. Like I like it, but I I think I just didn't quite like it as much as you guys did. And there's just other things I want to be playing right now. It's good. It's a fun one. Yeah, I I might go get the platinum. I don't know. I'm just I wasn't. I definitely was not planning to until I finished it and looked at my map and I was like, you know, I'm really not missing that much. Oh yeah. Okay. So I didn't look at the trophies. There's no like beat it in 60 minutes. There, no, no, there? no, nothing like okay. that. You could. You. I'm trying to think. Yeah. You. You could just mop up everything in your post game save. Okay. Uh, my last question for you, Brad. Because this, I brought this up. I think initially was like, do you think there'll be more content for this or DLC? Nah, do you I know? And what happened to that character who seemed to be in love with the the main antagonist, the one that's like the underground, like death worshiping, mask wearing? Oh, I literally was going to ask if there yes. was one character I was going to ask what happened to. It was absolutely the lady with the mask. I have no idea. That's because the one thing that's just like, does that cut content? What happened to this cause, character? Because you kill two or three of the immortals. Um, well, I won't, I won't run through the whole thing, but everybody else is accounted for, I guess is what yes. I'm trying to say. Everybody else on your squad that you went in there with is accounted for. I think he, Sargon makes a comment about her being a casualty at some point during the ending, I want to say. Oh, really? I don't and know I, if I caught that. Something along those lines. And I was like, wait a minute, did she die off screen? Like what <laughs> happened there? You, you find a note that is like, she's we're not happy with Sargon because Sargon's taking attention away. Yes, from, she uh, she like worships Farum, the head of, yeah. the, of the crew, right? I found yes. that. Yeah, I found that note. Like I said, like they they characterize everybody really well. I was like kind of shocked how invested I was in the story by the end of it. So DLC, uh, you know. Hmm. Did you ever? Uh, last thing I'm going to ask: Did you ever run to the very beginning of the game again before? Yeah. Like they they kind of don't open that big main gate until right at the end. Yeah, I try. I, tr- I once I got the double jump, I think I tried to go back there. And okay, because you can go all the way to the start of like the map, you know, where they yeah. you enter the area, and you you kind of you go you run through and then come out the other side again. Yes, yeah. So did it did it play the entire opening cutscene for you again when you came back through there? Oh no. Okay, that that has to have been a bug. Then. Wait, I don't think so. No, I, I think were- it just like faded blue to white, and then he comes out the other side again. Yeah, no, that happened to me. But then when yeah. I ran, when I ran back to the right to go back <laughs> into the, the map proper. Oh, you remember the entire cutscene where all like seven of them file in yeah, and they're yeah, like poking yeah. around, and then they decide, oh, oh we're going to split up. I'm going yeah, east. Yeah. You guys go together. It played that entire thing again for me oh. when I when I crossed whatever invisible trigger entering, yeah. the, entering the main map again. And at first I thought they were playing around with time again. I was like, oh, am I going to watch the events of the intro again? Except something different's going to happen this time. But no, it just like 
because then it put me into the first combat tutorial again after that. Oh no! Wait, you kept all your powers. But right? I had all my powers, okay. and I just killed the first enemy they throw at you as a tutorial. Like it was bizarre. Like I said, it's a little buggy. Yeah, it's a little buggy. Like I had that side quest break. There was one room in particular that every time, literally every time I walked through there, Sargon had some unrelated line of dialogue that he started saying. And it would subtitle every time I like literally every time. I oh, yeah. Movie. It's the one with the chandeliers, right? Yeah, so or, he says or, he says Orod, which is the, he, the big dude with the hammer. Yeah. Like he starts saying some line about some character from a different part of the game every yeah. time you go in there. It's, that's My, clear, clearly known shippable. That kind yes, of thing. Yeah. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit jank. Uh, my game, worst game, bug was I, was, I, well, just quickly, my clipped, I threw a wall and was trapped inside a wall. And my last save was like 15 minutes ago. Very good. Yeah, that, that so the uh, the pirate captain side quest. You remember that one to go get the mm-hmm. bird? Yeah. Every time I accepted that quest from him, it would not like it, it would not get me out of like talking to Captain Stance, where it would put me back in the world where I could move, and it literally would just stop accepting controller input. Oh boy. And I looked it up on Reddit. Like every platform has this problem. People figured out on PS5 if you turn your controller off and back on, <laughs> then it will it will unstick the quest and you can keep going. Oof. It's it's a little rough, but the game's got uh, a lot of heart. A lot of heart. That captain quest, I'll say also, I wish they would just remove the X's when you got the treasure for the captain quest, because like if you're trying to pick up all those pieces of treasure and you don't do it right away, remembering which ones you got and didn't get kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, I went to the first one and I had already gotten it, apparently. So I just yeah. didn't bother even looking at the others. That was kind of dumb. Uh, fun game, though. Like, yeah. I, I, well, great game. I, I think it's super cool. Um, and uh, I look forward to see if they do anything more in that vein, though. It's kind of I don't know where you really go in the story from there. It's it's a good one, though. Uh, yes, very much and, so. And they make good on some of the setup there. They do the other thing. I'll just end on this. They do the other thing I really love since um, we're not going to talk about Suicide Squad, but Rocksteady did it with Batman. Is Sargon takes like cosmetic damage throughout the course of the, of the tale. So yeah. like from the beginning to the end, by the end, he's scraped and bruised and stabbed and is all torn up. And I always like that in Batman when Batman's suit would get all torn up by the end of the game. Uh, fun. Fun. Yeah. Stuff. That's Prince of P- Persia, the lost crown. And that's going to probably wrap up our talk on that one. All right. I'm going to take another break here. We'll come back and we're going to talk about the state, nothing less than the state of the video game industry stick around and we are back and it's time to talk news and dominating the news not surprisingly continue with 2024 is that the year we're in let me just check my watch uh 2024's continued contraction in the video game space brad shoemaker more news out there feels very telling that I am opening videogamelayoffs.com uh-huh. as we are starting this segment because they do have that good running tally. Um, yeah, the the bloodletting continues um, largely at Microsoft this week. They are letting go eight or in fact already have let go 8% of the overall, I guess, Microsoft gaming division. Is that what we're calling it? Not just the it's- Xbox division, but people who work in games for Xbox Game Pass, etc. Uh, at Microsoft and at Activision Blizzard, uh, 1,900 people. It's a lot of people. Yes, it is. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure anyone and everyone could have predicted that after a merger of that size, like some redundancies were going to happen, uh, but coming as quickly off of the heels of all these other rounds of layoffs at other big companies as it does, it's obviously pretty eyebrow-raising. 
I mean, what coming was- off the heels of the of the merger, coming right around the same time Microsoft announced that for the first time it'd become a three trillion dollar company. You know, like there's a lot of factors that make this particular round of layoffs especially jarring. Yeah, like like a, a fair number of their like gaming numbers are up significantly, but I think that's just a result of the merger. You know, they're like yeah. able to able to say like, oh, our engagement is up by forty nine percent or whatever it is. But of course it is because they just brought a massive new division under their umbrella. So I don't know if that's quite the same thing, but yeah. Well, the the other thing is that the vibe after the first round of Microsoft layoffs last year was that, oh, at least this is done. Yeah, that's among the people I talked to. I mean, so, the same thing with like like Google, right? Like, um, did Facebook do more layoffs this year? Like all the big tech layoffs last year, they were all like five figure numbers of layoffs. And, and yeah, you looked at that and were like, well, this is awful, but surely that's it with numbers like these. But then here we are with the big tech companies doing the same thing again this year. Did you guys, did you like, I don't remember, did GameSpot have layoffs? I, I was at max, I was at future at maximum PC in 2000, 2001 when like the, the world collapsed, the, the big bad time, time before last now, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, it's funny. We, we talked about on that on the Ramblecast this week, actually the dot com bubble bursting. And, yeah. And the, the media layoffs then those all happened like right before I got to GameSpot. So, so it was a very, it was very much a time where like, at first it was like, oh, well we got to make, like, we got to do this to save the business. Right. And then they watched the executives, the people in charge that were like, talk to the stock people were like, oh wow, our stock price really went up when we did all these layoffs. And also we got rid of like 10% of people that were probably the underperforming 10%. This is a win-win. And, and like, we're still cranking out 12, 13 magazines a year on all these teams, even though we we cut 20% of the staff. What, what what if we tried again? And and they kind of got real happy and addicted about it for to to the point that we did I think seven rounds of layoffs in future between two thousand one and two thousand three, and um, I'm gonna go and tell you like there's some downstream consequences that people don't think about on like large scale layoffs, and the big one is that like people who are kind of looking over their shoulder because they're afraid they're the next one under the hatchet, it turns out they don't do great work compared to like people who are secure and comfortable in their jobs. And, and also everybody who's good eventually starts to leave because mm-hmm. they like want to go someplace where they don't have to look over their shoulder. So like th- these seem like, Oh, harmless. We're, we got the good stock bump layoffs, but there's going to be lasting consequences to culture and like the, the, the product that comes out of all these companies that keep going back to the layoff. Well, over and over and over again, um, whether it's Google or Facebook or Microsoft. I don't think, I think actually Facebook, I don't think has done yeah, another. Maybe they did one more small thing. Yeah. I think it was just, just Google and Microsoft so far. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's bad. Layoffs are bad. That's my, this is a hot take coming in here. And just the sheer volume of them. I mean, it's like, you know, every single week now, it feels like we're talking about at least some of these and like just these numbers, like when you start putting them together into a larger number, <laughs> like just it's, the video game industry is big. It's not that big. But but like Google spent two billion dollars on severance last year. Yeah. Right? Like it's 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 a substantial amount of money. And and the other thing is there's knock on so there's knock on effects. Like one of the things that came out of this Microsoft layoff is that presumably a, a big chunk of the teams that do physical media and placement mm-hmm. into channel is going away. Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that like disc copies of games are going to disappear, but it does mean that there will be fewer of them and they will be harder to find. We're already see- like Best Buy doesn't have a disc section really anymore. Um, I think we'll see that continue to shrink at target and GameStop and the other places you buy video games in, in person. Um, but, but like there's also the, 
publishing apparatus starts to shrink and we saw this so i i you know i spent the last three years working at stray bombay um it's a small you know venture funded uh indie first person shooter developer making a multiplayer game so like yeah we did it we did this this on hard mode um making multiplayer games is hard making first person shooters is expensive and and difficult and and um you know it was not was not we knew it was going to be a difficult knew it was going to be a difficult path but we also were working in a budget range that kind of doesn't exist right now mm-hmm. right like like the thing that's happened with all of the layoffs and the stuff we'll talk about embracer in a minute but like the publishers that used to do games in the kind of say 3 or 5 to maybe up to 20 million dollars on the high end budgets didn't sign games last year for for the most part like there were a handful here and there but like when you went to dice and you went to gdc usually you go and meet people and you're like okay here's our demo we have a we have either a beautiful corner which is like some some art and like a vi- it's like a vibe check for your for mm-hmm. your pitch game or you build like a working prototype that that's that's like a like a, a vertical slice like the idea is you give them a a cut through what the experience of the game is playing but it's probably pretty limited and and usually you you pitch those at GDC or Dice and you pitch them at GDC and then sometime like April or May you sign a deal and you get you know a few hundred thousand dollars to a couple million dollars depending on the budget you're looking at to like build that out and hit the first like build build to a first milestone right and it became clear after GDC well a couple things happened one there's the war in Ukraine which is which is having some downstream consequences on finance the interest rates went up so that there wasn't like there wasn't a easy like interest rates were low to the point that borrowing money was basically free for a really long time and and that meant people were willing to take some higher risks because you know they weren't they didn't cost them very much compared to like a 7% interest rate um and what happened is people just stopped signing deals and everybody got nervous and then in may embracer announced that they didn't get that 2 billion dollar deal mm-hmm. and it turns out you may not be aware of this, but Embracer bought almost all of the publishers that work in that in that what what's kind of like the double A slash expensive yeah. indie space. They carved out basically the entire middle of the industry. Yeah, and and so when we were like we we went through this process, like we were pitching game two last year, and we went through the process. We, had, we just took stuff to dice, had lots of good meetings. People were really excited, really enthusiastic, and then by the time GDC came around, they were like, "Well, we're kind of going to wait and see right now on everything." Um. And when we talk, you know, the thing that everybody doesn't, I mean, I guess people realize this, but indies all are gossips. So everybody's talking to everybody else. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm not getting anything either. And and you end up in a situation and then the Embracer stuff hits and they, like, it turns out three of the five studios, your publishers you're talking to are Embracer studios. And they're all like, no, we can't spend any money now. It's come to, came down from corporate. And of course, they're laying everybody off now. Like we're yeah. seeing those, those Embracer studio layoffs. And it's, it's like all of the 10 to 20 to up to maybe $30 games, like your sea of stars is, and you're, you're like these games that are high production and have a lot of art and have a lot of people working on them need money to, to be able to build. Typically you finance, you, you know, you fund a certain amount with VC, you fund a certain amount with the amount of, with the, with the, the proceeds from your previous title, if you're an existing studio. Um, and then you get toward the end you're like, okay, we need to bring a publishing partner. We're going to, we're going to either, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take this demo. We're going to get a publishing partner and they're going to help us get it across the finish line in exchange for, you know, money on the back end, or, uh, you shut down and go away. Um, or you sell to somebody Hmm. and like, we're, we're going to see a lot of small 
like, you know, from 10 to 80 person studios that raise money to get started and don't have like runway to get across the finish line, they're going to be in a real nasty situation this year, I'm afraid. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> Obviously, every game is different. Every studio is different. Every every development team is different. But just for for people out there, because I feel like the numbers get really weird when we talk about money that's coming in, you know, Microsoft being a $3 trillion company. What, like in a in a in a double A space, is twenty million dollars a lot of funding, or you burn through that and like that's nothing? Well, okay, so think about um, if you're if you're working in the United States and you're most of your people live on the coasts where stuff is expensive. You're probably your average your median salary is probably one hundred and fifty k right between artists and engineers and if you're engineer heavy it's going to be higher if you're artist heavy it's going to be a little probably around there like mm-hmm. um so multiply that by the number of people that work there and then add 30 percent for the hr costs um for you know health insurance and and all that stuff and if you have an office add another 10 or 20 grand a month to that depending on where you are and, and whether it's like a full-size office or it's just a place that people can come have meetings and stuff which is much more popular now and then and then think about um software costs and multiply you know a thousand dollars per artist per year yeah. add a thousand dollars per artist per year for Maya substance and substance and photoshop and all the stuff that they need maybe a little bit more than that actually and then think about like maybe depending on the size of the studio, if you're using Perforce, it can be that like Perforce can get really expensive. What's that? Um, that is, is that distribution or a, a, uh, a, a Perforce build? is source control, source okay, source and control. asset control. Okay. okay. Um, you can use Git, which is a little bit cheaper, and Git LFS, but it's jankier, and people games people tend to like Perforce if they can afford it. Um, and then and then like you don't generally have a whole lot of engine costs these days up front but they mm-hmm. you know they'll take that on the back end okay. which means that, that instead of you know valve taking their 30% and and you paying you know epic you know a couple of percent plus a flat fee for your game license you're going to probably give them another 3 to 5% depending on what kind of deal you sign mm-hmm. um so so it Hardware, gets expensive I assume, too, computers and, yeah, you get you you, you two $2000 worth of computers per person uh, minimum servers um, and the development. the servers if you do cloud servers that can be like 10 grand a month right he's really um if you're like just for your dev servers just to be okay. clear okay for your for your production servers you can hit hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with like a relatively small game mm. if you're doing like dedicated servers that you host which if you're trying to do a live game like games as a service type thing you kind of have to do because if you give people access to the servers then they're going to hack the servers and like all your live game incentive shit goes away so yeah like it's 20 million 20 million isn't out of the question like there's a sweet spot around like that caps out around 10 but then like you also have to think about what your marketing costs are so if you're not actually building community and marketing all the way through that that development period if you're just if you're like we like we announced and started marketing essentially when we announced six months before we came out of our uh, came into early access your expenses like you you can spend half a million dollars on marketing easily and see absolutely nothing back for it right mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a complete crapshoot whether totally. whether your marketing budget lands so people tend to do like more organic stuff and like you know they post dev diaries and they build a discord and and you you post stuff on tiktok and you you know you you have a small dedicated 
predictable cost that hopefully grows gradually over time and isn't like like you know you're not buying bus ads on a on a eight million dollar game right um and then i I assume that all is all very much tied to then how long is it taking to develop this game right like that that burn rate per year times five years or you know 10 years right yeah and and that's that's the thing so you so you're you you figure spending if you have if you have three people four people you're paying 30 grand a month on payroll and um uh uh, hr stuff and and then you have a few thousand dollars of service but if you if you've like if you're a big indie if you're a double fine size for example um you have 80 people working there that's a phenomenal amount of money every month and you have to have something coming in to counterbalance that uh, so if you like, so if you, for example, if you're, if you have a milestone with your publisher or your platform, if you signed a game pass deal or something like that, and you're in danger of missing that, then you're going to have to cut heads because you're not going to be able to afford payroll after when you miss the milestone, right? Like there's, there's a ton of pressure. Like the thing that people don't realize is money is time and what you're buying with money is time. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of ways to spend, to buy more time with the same amount of money for example like like doing um doing like hiring outsourcing out of East, eastern europe or southeast asia or someplace like that it's like you can do a you can you can kind of multiply your art budget by having a couple of really talented people inside uh and hiring like tech artists or stuff like that and then getting the kind of core prop stuff built uh, externally or buying it off marketplaces and then running it through houdini to make it you know look like it's not off the marketplace right <laughs> what is wait what is what is a running it through houdini um houdini is a a tech artist tool it's a it's a it's a thing that lets you like you can basically like instead of instead of making eighty eight thousand different shrubs to put in your fields you make one shrub and then you use houdini to like run shader programs on it and stuff like that so that the one shrub looks it's the same asset in the game but it looks different every time you see it oh got it okay Uh, it does other stuff variants and and um so you don't have to manual like a speed tree but for generalized assets it's it's a toolbox for tech artists to to do like to do like very to to make games less samey is the is the I'm bad I'm doing a bad tech, tech artist so right now saying screaming like at I the could radios. Take a Pokemon, put it, put it uh-huh. into Didi, and then I can get a bunch of different Pokemon. Just just to be clear, it's a highly <laughs> this kidding. is a highly technical thing. Like this is the this is the thing that you the the, the tech artists are 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 in high demand because it's a it's a hard thing. There's not that many people that can mm. do like like. There's a bunch of different parts of it too. It's like some of it's skeletal rigging, some of it's um some of it's uh, uh building VFX. Like there's a it's a I'm grossly generalizing here, so please don't yell at me. Um, but. <laughs> And, it, and it's not like you just load it up and then hit the filter button uh-huh. and, it, and it comes out the other end. It's like you have to be smart and and otherwise you'll make something that like 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 doesn't uh, that 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 won't run on your Xbox Series S, right? So right, yes, right, okay. Um, that makes sense to me. So I guess what I, my initial question is, or I guess what I was trying to get at is when things are like companies raise four million dollars on Kickstarter, right? And the, like, we're going to make a game in this, in this tier, there's probably some outside funding or most definitely like, I, I don't know what the scale of those types of games are compared to, you know, this game made, this game has an $80 million budget and this game has a 20 or $10 million. Budget. So, so it's, it's almost impossible to know 
other than to look at the team size and multiply that team size okay. by like the average median salary for the it region that the, the team's in. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the general rule of thumb is that 2d stuff is cheaper than 3d stuff, hmm. right? Cause 2d, like 2d art, you don't, you don't have to have as many technical artists doing rigging and stuff like that on everything that moves in the game. Um, but, but like you can do 3d stuff on a, on a budget. If you're working in a setting that there are readily available assets, like game ready assets, like this is the thing that Unreal Five does, right? Unreal Five lets you take pretty much anything and copy it into the game. And if it's like if some dumbass scanned a pot on on Sketchfab and it has a hundred and fifty million triangles on it, Unreal Five will kind of look at it and it'll munge it down and it'll make it something that you can put that it can you can run mm-hmm. at game at game speed. Um, but like everything doesn't work like that, and it and it's always more complicated than you think it's going to be. So. For example, the Anacrusis, we set it in a like kind of funky 70s setting, right? Unfortunately, there's not a lot of funky 70s furniture and like props and science fiction prop mm-hmm. design and stuff like that in marketplaces. So we ended up building everything either internally or with the help of some some outsourcers. And and um it's expensive. It's way like if we had set uh, if we had made the exact same game and set it in Eastern Europe or the Middle East, you just go to the Unreal Marketplace mm-hmm. and start downloading stuff, and like you can you can get a pretty good prototype going for practically nothing. That's really interesting. I never quite thought about that before. Like the the more popular the genre, the more easily somebody else can make something in that genre or environment, which is just leads to things just being saturated in that same exact look. Yeah, it's how you end up with PUBG looking like every other, like looking gotcha. like Stalker, looking like every other game that's set in in Eastern Europe or, or Western Russia. Is, is, huh. is our, our prefab assets just kind of a matter of course these days, like just extremely common accepted practice at this point? Because there's definitely still a stigma around that stuff in the player base. You know, there's still like accusations of asset flip and stuff like that on Th- there's, a lot of games on Steam. But like I, I, I gather that that's I assume that's just becoming a thing that people do very regularly at this point. Right. It, it, it's it, this is. Like anything else, it's a tool, right? You can do it badly, you can do it well. Um, if you do it well, people don't realize it, and it's mm. it's not like it's a secret. But um, if you do it badly, then it looks like then you end up with a game that looks like every single other game in the in 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 a, in a you know two dollar price range. Um, the 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 one that like there's a lot of stuff that people just fundamentally don't understand. So somebody complained uh, on a YouTube video once about our game. They're like, these, this fire in this game is just a bunch of textures. It's just flat textures floating in space. And I'm like, dog, every fire in every game you've ever played is just textures floating in space. There's no volumetric fire in pretty much it. I mean, there's, a, oh, there's always exceptions, but everybody does fire the same way because if you do fire the not same way, it's really expensive and your frame rate goes to shit and then people complain about bad frame rates. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a tendency on YouTube, no knocks against YouTube, but there's a tendency among people who talk about video games on YouTube to make broad sweeping pronouncements about things about which they know very little that um, generate a lot of laughter when when you watch those videos and you Alex is nodding his head over there not to <laughs> Alex I've but. seen a few of those videos yeah so like just going back to the, like the the state that we're in now and the situation that we have looking at us going forward like the thing I've heard anecdotally over and over again is the the thing you mentioned about like people assuming you know or making a lot of decisions around when insurance when interest rates were very low those chickens coming home to roost and then realizing that like some of those things did not pan out is this really just a case of a mass short-sightedness 
Because nobody with any real sense would have ever thought that these interest rates were going to remain this way forever. That money was just going to remain this way in per perpetuity. May I don't know that necessarily it was going to go shoot up the way that it did. But at the same time, it feels like, and especially if you're a company like Microsoft or one of these other AAA publishers, can the decisions to th that they were making be that catastrophic that now they are having to slaw off this much of their workforce over and over and over again just to meet these, I guess, target goals for growth that they aren't going to meet if they if they don't make these hasty cuts? It's well, okay. So interest rates are one part of it. Another part is that we're we're now into the time when they were making projections based on and pr promises essentially to the market based on. The real good number is that we had when nobody left their house for two yeah. years. Right. right? Consumer, consumer spending was way up the first, like, what, 18 months of the pandemic, something like that. Yeah. So though, even though Microsoft had good, like I saw an analysis yesterday that said basically Microsoft had good numbers last year, but compared to the growth that they were projecting in 2022 for this year, they're going to miss the mark. And like part of that is that game pass has a different kind of like there's the pal world is a is a notable exception that's going to like drive uh the numbers for game pass up the engagement numbers for game pass up really in a, in a good in a good way for microsoft but like i don't know i'm i'm i feel like i'm spending a little less time on game pass now than i was during the pandemic because i have less time to play on spend on games because i'm you know i leave the house every once in a while not not you know don't not too often yeah <laughs> but um but it's it's a different the market is different and like it's a double way. The other thing that happens that's worth mentioning is every single console cycle, when you reach the point that you're like equidistant between the, the start of the generation and the, and the start of the next generation, the market usually goes to shit for reasons that I don't exactly understand. Yeah. I um, mean, but this is also a special case too, because these consoles launched under those original conditions we were just talking about the pandemic starting, you know, like people being at home all the time, but also not necessarily spending a lot of like, like supply chain issues really kneecap their abilities to get those consoles out in the way that they did in the last generation. And the main thing I'm, I'm coming away from this with, with, with a lot of the conversations I've had with people who work in development is that, Whatever the the general console cycle may be, or the you know the game cycle may be around around these platforms, the reality is we are looking at a desert that is not like the average for that stuff in, over the next couple of years. Yeah, well, that's that's been my question going into this: is what does twenty twenty five and twenty six look like? What do the console the, the launches of the next consoles look like, which are not actually that far away? You know, I, and and with the length of a dev cycle now, like a short, we did, we did, we launched into early access in two years and then did two years of early access with like 60 updates with the Anacrusis, right? So it was basically four, three, three years and change, almost four years. Um, we're not in a place like if you don't, if the, if the new consoles are launching in four years and games, the games that were signed last year were the games that were going to be delayed and be the launch games for the next range of consoles. The games that are going to be signed at Dice next this month, next month, whenever the podcast comes out, February and and GDC would be the games that are going to launch on these consoles. And right now we're not going to like I I think we're not going to see a whole lot of stuff in the 20 10 20 30 dollar price range mm. just because all of the, those publishers aren't signing deals. The platforms aren't signing deals. The kind of easy money from Game Pass and Epic and and the and the other places that you were signing kind of broad sweeping publishing style deals that weren't necessarily publishing deals don't seem to be happening as much. And and it's a it's a real bummer. Like it's it's because it's the place that the most experimentation continues to happen in the market. Yeah, totally. 
Right. Or, or or it's the place where you see like the nichiest fan service. Like I think Sea of Stars is a $40 game, which is the kind of high end of this area. But like that's a game that's not going to exist at a 60 or $70 price point. And um, it's it's like it's it's branched out and grown beyond that that initial genre just because it's remarkable. But but like typically those games are are fan service games that like people who like old JRPGs kind of pick up and play and 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 they and they don't break out. Um the other thing that I think is really important, and this is something my boss at Maximum PC told me on my first day there, which I like I, I joked at the time it would have been nice if he told me the day before I signed the papers mm-hmm. rather than the day after. But is that in that in that industry and in media and the same as apply, applies for games is you like you can be sacked at any given moment. Oh, yeah. For something that is completely beyond your control. It's not your fault. It's not because you did a bad job. It's not because your game didn't kick ass. It's not because the work that you were doing wasn't amazing. It's because somebody in another part of the building put the wrong number in a spreadsheet two years in the past. And the unfortunate thing is, if you choose to go into this line of work, you have to be prepared for that. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's it has nothing to do like you. You, you can't take that on your chin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we're talking about like this middle budget stuff versus the the current AAA space, I feel like the thing we're talking about with these middle budget games and sort of the, you know, the small to mid budget games is that there is a real potential for like loss if these monies, if the money, the investments don't come through. Like we're talking about these studios basically burning through all their capital and their resources. At the AAA level, I feel like what we're actually talking about here more is shortness of growth. It's not about that, like, Microsoft isn't going to start going into the red heavily if they keep these 1,900 workers on. They're just not going to meet their growth targets. And I feel like that's the thing that needs to be differentiated and the thing that actually is maybe driving a lot of this conversation is that we are still now in this cult of perpetual growth. And, like, (laughs) that shit just cannot sustain forever. It can't. That's capitalism, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like we're talking about a bigger issue than anything to do with just video games. Yeah. The, I mean, th- that is absolutely like the goal for most small and mid-sized publishers, even up to like like old harmonics and double fine and stuff like that, yeah. was to get to make another game. Like right. you want to sell enough copies of your game that you get to make another copy paycheck of the, another paycheck, game. Paycheck baby. And, and for a long, long time, that meant you release a game and it doesn't have to be a blockbuster. It just has to sell. And you've built an audience. Cause you know, like if you look at the super giant path, it's a, it's a good example of this. Like bastion was a, was it's like bastion was a hit just to be mm-hmm. clear, but it wasn't like a breakout, like, like change the world 25 million copies sold kind of hit. They released four games and the fourth game, they'd had enough of an audience build on each one that the fourth one exploded and like 25 million people played Hades. And, and like, it's a defining, it's a genre defining game but but that it's not like it was an overnight success that was a 10-year path for them right um that that culminated in them applying everything they learned up until that point on on this one title and that's that's the dream right like that's the overnight success um that's this is this is what's going to end up happening is a lot of these mid-sized studios are just going to go away the ones that had you know broke break even games uh, that would have signed an easy publishing deal five years ago are just going to disappear. And we're going to, you know, those people either leave the industry or they'll go back to work for, for call of duty or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to a lot of them, but it's a loss for games. Yeah. And um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, dis- it's a disappointment. It's it, a disappointing it's, place to be. It's something we were talking about last week with, with the last round of layoffs we were talking about last week, which is to say that like, 
there just aren't that many openings out there. Like, there are still a lot of studios open, there are a lot of publishers open, but, like, the number of openings they have is not that great, and certainly not enough to, you know, to, to, to counterbalance the sheer number of losses, which is going to leave a lot of people who are pretty early on in their careers essentially having to pivot out of games because there just is no path forward for them for the next year or two, bare minimum. And I mean, nobody I, can survive I, that long. Sorry, I... I was shocked at the number of people who have been in the industry for a long time on my Twitter feed last week, quite publicly saying, you know what? I think it might be time for me to get out of games. Mm, yeah. Some, some of them were people who were laid off last week. In at least one case, I think it was somebody who still had a job, but was still looking at all this going on. Actually, I think they were kind of in the, like, if I get laid off, that's it for me kind of, kind of space. Yeah. But, but even, at this point, I imagine every developer is now putting together a list of things they are going to do. If this happens to them, like, like even, even people that are, double-digit numbers of years into their career are looking at all this and saying, like, you know what, this shit might not be worth this level of instability and uncertainty at this well, point. And the other thing is, like, especially if you're working in a bigger studio, like, it requires travel. Like, you're, yeah. you're like, the longer you've been at this, you have kids in high school or middle school or something, you're not going to pick them up and move them across the country if you can avoid it. Like, the the it's it's one of the nice things about that double a space is a lot of those studios were virtual and they were teams that were virtual from the beginning because they started during the pandemic and you know there there are you can assuming your time zone compatible in some way you can pick up and work from wherever you wherever you happen to be so yeah it's it's um i i don't know what the outcome is i what i my guess is what happens is as those as those studios that are sitting there looking at the at the amount of payroll the number of you know uh weeks or months of payroll they have left start to get to the end you know and are, and are midway into these cycles and realizing they're not going to make it to the end um i think we're going to see platforms probably writing checks and buying up a bunch of these mid-tier mid-sized studios because like if you think about it's it's what happened with the big studios, the big AAA studios on the last gen, right? With the, with uh, you're starting ten, what ten or when did Naughty Dog get bought by Sony? Like fifteen oh, years gosh. ago, oh, twenty no. years ago now. Um, God, when was that? PS it's been a while. Early yeah. PS two, late PS. Yeah, but, twenty years, something like that. But as I guess as soon as the business gets hinky, the platforms come in and write a check, and then all of a sudden they got a workhorse in house that can just keep cranking out the thing that they do. And and these mid tier games are important for stuff like like really important for stuff like Game Pass, just for filling in, uh, filling in the the, mm. the gaps in the schedule, may, and making sure there's always something fresh there. But also like, like when they break out, then they they really move the needle. I w I do wonder if in this current state if it's a double whammy of available I, I mean i don't know how much mo money microsoft has in the bank i assume tons but are they willing to go on another buying spree or you know sony sony just got bungie and it's kind of going through uh that acquisition and that i wonder if if you know an embracer <laughs> we talked a little bit about embracer there are they willing to embrace more or are they like, let's there's no more embracing for embracer, a while. Embracer, embracer has no money. Yeah. Embracing yeah, is off so the like, table. So the, the people who are scooping up a lot of these studios, I wonder if they're done for a bit and it's a double whammy of the money's not there to borrow at a, at a you know, the free money's not there to just take those bets, uh, in like they were a year or two ago. 
And also the money's not there to take a loan out to keep a studio afloat or, or borrow again. I, I So I would think about the people that have stuff to lose by having gaps in the release calendar, right? So if you're looking at 2026, 2027, 2028 and your Game Pass, you're worried about games contracting in this space because you, like, you look at your dredges and you're, you like, like they have done really well on like on games that live in this like 10 to $30 space and making them available on game pass and it, and it feeling like to people who are subscribing that they're getting a real value. Hey, I didn't, mm-hmm. I paid my 15 bucks and I got to play sea of stars. This sea of stars. I don't think is on game pass, but no, like, it yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, right. I got to pay what would have been a $40 RPG and, and I got my 15 bucks worth this month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep that sub going. I think, I think that we'll see the platforms, not necessarily the publishers pick up that pick up, you know, but again, th- this works for them because they're able to cherry pick the things that they think are the biggest chances of success. Mm-hmm. So they pick ten per- the top one, two, three, five, ten percent, and then the other ninety percent are are just cutting features and hoping to ship. Right, and then I guess the big problem there is like a Microsoft or a Sony when they then cut a percentage, even two or three percent, that's thousands of people, and yeah. then the, those. You know, that consolidation means basically, or so, I shouldn't, I shouldn't generalize, but my worry with consolidation is always you reshuffle the deck and that studio might not be the studio it was in yeah. three years. I mean, look what's happening with Blizzard on a large scale because that was a, or Activision Blizzard, because that's a huge company. I'm sure they looked at their books and was like, this was always going to happen. There are redundancies here, but now there are what, it was almost near 2000 people laid off. Um, yeah. 1900. Yeah. So like. You know, when a big company absorbs other companies, there's always something that's going to happen. And then when the when the the ink goes, like you were saying, Alex, it doesn't hit the right growth mark. You know, cuts happen down the line and work their way up. At least my impression of it. Again, I'm but not inside Microsoft. The the thing about games, though, that I think a lot of people don't understand is that everything's so interconnected in a game. Like if you, if we were if I was at Maximum PC and they said, oh, you, OK, you got to cut 25 percent of the headcount. I'm like, OK, well, we're not going to post anything on the website anymore. Right. That's a that's a cut I can make. It doesn't really affect the rest of the business. If I'm making a Metroidvania and I suddenly have to lay off half of my environment team, then that means I don't have. Like that means that that all of the weapon progression and all the skills progression for the back half of the game, like either you cut off the end of the game and move the end up or like you can't just you you can't just cut willy nilly. You have to be like, it's not like removing headcount means, oh, I just don't ship a feature. I mean, I guess on gears, you ship three multiplayer modes instead of five multiplayer modes. But like still, it's not it's not simple. It's not simple. Like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to ship a PowerPoint version this year. (laughs) I just wonder, I wonder inside places like Microsoft, and Microsoft is the example because they seem to have gobbled up a lot of studios over the course of the last 10 years. Do you then disband, do you do that 25% layoff, stop the game they're working on, and put those people on other projects to help out yeah. in other areas? You know, that that seems to be sometimes what you hear is like, hey, that game is no longer happening, and these people got put on and support to get the, the big bets, uh, uh, you know, out the door in time. Um, I don't know, the whole thing... It's a big business. It is, you know, monetarily, it is the, the, the games industry is making the most money it has ever made before. Right. Uh, you know, what does that mean when it comes to what is happening on releases and employees? Well, I mean, it looks like it's shit right now in terms of employee stuff. And, you know, last year was a good year for releases, but I think Alex, you mentioned it too. And you guys all said, we'll see what happens in two years. Right. Yeah. 
I, I honestly think in the next two years, like the shape of the industry, not necessarily the way the products are or the way they're coming out, it's, but the actual shape of the workforce and like who is putting out what is going to be radically different mm. and not necessarily for the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. Yeah. It's, I, it's hard. It's hard to imagine it not, you know, Yeah, like with all of this. Well, and, and like there's there's still there's elephants, right? Like the Game Pass thing is Game Pass is really great for players. It's still totally unclear whether it's a good thing for for studios, right? It seems it's, to very much vary from game to game. Like there are some where the the upfront money actually does them a big favor. And there are some where it's like, yeah, this actually may have fucked up our long tail in a pretty significant way. Yeah. But like we launched on Game Pass and immediately had a whole bunch more players than we expected. Uh, which probably wasn't great for us. Like we were rough. Mm -hmm. We launched rough and could have used uh, like, it would have been awesome to launch a little quieter and mm -hmm. then have that big mass of players come in once we'd had a couple of months of, of iteration uh, on the, on the initial feedback from, from players. So it's, it is a double-edged sword and, and that game pass market is, is really, is really, really fickle. Cause like their only, their only commitment to you is that they downloaded a couple of gigs or maybe didn't even do that. Maybe they just launched it on on XCloud, and uh, yeah, and and so they're not they're not going to push through to find like unless they know that the Pokemon eventually get guns and they're pretty <laughs> stoked about murdering people with Pokemon, uh -huh. they're probably not going to push through twelve hours of nonsense to get to the the Pokemon gun part. Do you think early access has been a big plus for developers to to try and monetize earlier in the dev cycle? We got to have a that's a enormous conversation. <laughs> for, yeah. Like if you want to, uh, it uh, it's complicated. The TLDR is that your early access launch on Steam is your launch, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Valve says that that's not the case and acts like that that's not the case. And there's a couple of real good examples where it's absolutely not the case. But like, if I were do if I were launching, if I were making a game right now and I was looking at early access, I would launch on like Humble and Itch mm. or something like that. If as you're really access. looking for a quieter, softer launch, if if you're actually doing, if you actually want to iterate with players in a community, I would I would do launch real small and then roll uh, into full 1.0 on Steam. I would not. I, I would make people work for it because you're you're just. It's it, the reasons why it's bad are complicated and not worth getting into. But like okay. everything from from user reviews to like like on Game Pass, they on Xbox they do game preview now, which is their version yeah. of early access. And I would guess roughly ninety percent of the audience doesn't isn't aware that that program exists. <laughs> That's what uh, Pal World is in is in game preview on uh, Game Pass. Yeah, but so if you're going to launch onto onto game preview on Xbox, even if you're going to launch onto Steam, you need to have a certain amount of polish done. You're not like mm -hmm. you you should not think that you can come in and 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 get feedback that is meaningful and helpful if like your sound effects aren't done or or you know if it if it like what would have flown ten years ago on early access or green light on Steam isn't going to work today. Right, okay. and and in something like game preview, you're still subject to cert requirements, just like yeah. just like finished games, right? They're limited. They it's it's a little different, but yes. But you, like you, you don't have gonna, to have achievements and stuff like there's, right, some, there's yes. some stuff they'll give you a pass on. Right, right. But you're not going to iterate like you could on Steam or you can just throw a new build up whenever you feel like it. I, and honestly, I wouldn't you can't iterate on Steam anymore either in the same way that you used to be able to because people are so like the expectation is that if you're paying money for it, it's good. Hmm. And and like you can get around that on itch and humble people people like people there have to work for it a little bit more and they understand like they tend to be a little more understanding is my is my is my understanding. <laughs> 
Well, well, thanks for that block of of survey of the general games industry. There's a couple of other things before we leave Microsoft that I want to touch on. Uh, we touched on the um, kind of uh, story out there that as part of these layoffs and as part of this contraction, uh, it'll affect the physical media uh, uh, part of Microsoft. Um, Brad, do you want to uh, kind of sum that up again? Yeah, we talked I about mean, it a little bit. That's what Windows Central is reporting, that they... I mean, the quote from Jez Corden is Microsoft has also shut down departments dedicated to bringing Xbox games to physical retail. But that's that about the extent. Yeah. You know, he also cites the, the leaks from the um, antitrust stuff mm-hmm. about the supposed mid-gen discless Xbox Series X refresh that may or may not, may not actually come out. Uh, but if it does, that obviously would line up with a decrease in effort to bring games to physical. I, yeah. I mean, given that that the retailers are reducing space dedicated to physical media. It totally makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean I can't, Best I Buy can't, is like specifically one of the big ones because they are just straight up taking like Blu-rays out of the stores now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess, I would guess, movies have led games quite a bit on physical media going away, but games seem to be rapidly falling. Like, I, I am kind of shocked it took as long as it did for digital to become so dominant, but. Mm. Um, well, it's, it's been what, like a generation and a half at this point. Cause Xbox, Xbox yeah. one PS4 was basically the beginning of, you can get all your games digitally if you want. Yeah. So very, very, I did very conspicuously. It was uh crackdown two and halo reach on the 360 were the first ones that were like, Hey, $50 game. I was still 50. Then oh, it was 60 then. Right. It was 60 then. Yeah. Yeah. 60. Right. But you know, it was like, Hey, full retail games that normally only come out on disc. Now you can just buy it on Xbox live here. Like download halo reach day one and just buy it digitally. Oops, somebody pulled it off our download servers before it came out, but let's not yes. talk about that. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. it was kind of late 360, mid, mid late 360 that they started experimenting with that, that, and then all of last generation. Uh, but like, there's a quote from Daniel, Daniel Ahmad, who is a pretty uh, prolific games analyst on Twitter, that like he, he says there are certain AAA games with 80% plus digital share on Xbox these days. So I believe like, we're, it. we're finally getting into that tipping point where. Like the physical sales on that, you know, it's not, it's, it's way more than a rounding error, but it's like getting into that territory of becoming less and less critical. Is, is, does Comcast still have a one terabyte bandwidth cap bandwidth limit? I think so. In a lot of places, I haven't been on Comcast in so long. I'm not sure, but yeah, that seems know. to me like the big gate for as games get bigger. And, and, uh, I mean, if you're a dedicated call of duty player for a while there, you could, you could blow your, blow your limit there in in no time flat with I a mean, bad not patch only or limit. Uh, uh, you know, speeds are not great across this great country of ours and especially in other territories. So I'd call them actively bad. In fact, comparatively. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's uh, like when I play with my brothers and stuff, it's like, Hey, make sure your thing's over updating tonight because we're going to play a call of duty or something tomorrow. Right. So like, make sure you you did it tonight. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I do not look forward to the day that, only a special edition physical release is the physical release you get, right? Like, hey, it's this is the kind of $100 special edition that comes with an art book and a physical disc, which I feel like is kind of where we're moving. Or no, or no physical disc. Like, we kind of crossed that oh, bridge the, already, the right? Like, yeah. The, collector's editions yeah. already come out with no disc in them. Yeah. What a I, world. I, the, the lack of physical media worries me. I mean, look, it, it, the, the people who sail the high seas work that stuff out for archivists, but it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> But they shouldn't have to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of in the same place, you know, it's like you pretty much can always count on the community to keep things alive, but that shouldn't be the only way it happens. Right. Yeah. I'm look, I'm a, I'm a pretty much digital 
my lifestyle is mostly digital, but I like that there are physical things out there. I also think like we talked about this was it on the Ramblecast or wherever we talked about it really recently. All the collateral that would come with a physical release is also very interesting. Box art and, and printed discs and all the other things. Um, all right. So the other bit of Microsoft news here, uh, Brad, you stuck this in the news doc as well. Um, what was this blizzard game that got canceled? I had to go and, and click your refresher link here to even remember what this was. It was Odyssey was, they announced it like a year, almost two years ago to the day they announced it publicly. Although according to Jason Schreier of Bloomberg, it's been in development for like six years. Wow. Uh, as part of this big Microsoft layoff, part of, part of that was a big reshuffle at blizzard. Like Mike Ibarra is out as head of blizzard. Mm. Uh, they say that they are going to name a new head of blizzard shortly. Um, but they have canceled Odyssey, which was the game that on January 25th, 2022, they started recruiting for publicly, <laughs> um, which Schreier describes it as a Minecraft or Rust-like, you know, very much in the tree-punching vein, <laughs> but with the Blizzard level of polish that you would expect was kind of the pitch that he gives for what that project was supposed to be. Um, but yeah, like like I said, Blizzard, I mean, the blog post is still live from about two years ago where they came out and said like, Hey, we're building a new IP. We're doing a survival game. Uh, like I remember us talking about this cause this key art of these kids with a backpack and a bicycle <laughs> looking at floating castles is mm -hmm. familiar. Um, but they straight up were like, Hey, we need, we need, we need people to come help us build this new survival thing we're working on that now has been canceled. Uh, they, they announced Joanna fairies as the, as the new C president of blizzard. Oh, that just happened today uh it was the last night i think oh but, wow okay. uh, uh it's another jason trier and dina bass article um former call of duty nfl executive at the same uh, time <laughs> no different different times okay. i believe yeah of course the link i found is paywalled so i have no idea i'm sorry but yeah yeah so the the, the schreier <clears throat> excuse me the schreier story blames a lot of this on technology like they were just trying like building mandated to use an, an internal engine that was not suited for the type of game that they were trying to build, but still like it is a very conspicuous example of a major project getting cut. Um, we've got a couple more layoff stories. I'll just throw on the pile here since we're talking about it Might as well, um, because there's another game cancellation involved here. So IDOS Montreal, which is now owned by Embracer uh, has cut about a hundred people. Um, but part of the reporting around that, which is also from Bloomberg, is that they had a new DS Deus Ex game in development at IDOS Montreal that has now been canceled uh, as part of these layoffs. Boo. Which, like, Deus Ex is a name, man. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just, I guess I just always assumed there was always some kind of Deus Ex thing right. bubbling up somewhere. Yeah, and it's been a while since, uh, what is it, Mankind Divided, I think was the last one. Like, that was kind of mid-late last gen, so we're kind of due for something else, but it seems like that probably is going to be on the back burner. I mean, that's probably the case for a bunch of Embracer-backed stuff Yeah, right now. Um, and then Sega of America also is laying off, I believe it's around 60 people, which is like 10% of their domestic staff. Is that the publisher, um, or that is that game dev teams, uh, or both? Uh, I, well, I don't know how much development they do in America. There's probably some, but I would guess that's a lot of like American operations type staff. Uh, parent company being in Japan, of course. Um, but like these project cancellations coming out and uh, alongside these, um, these layoffs is pretty eye opening to me. Cause not only are people losing their jobs, but like we keep saying, they're just going to be fewer games mm -hmm. going forward. In some cases it's not, Hey, get this game done with 60% of the people you thought you were going to have. It's just, Hey, we're not doing this game anymore. Right. This game is, this game is not going to come out. And I think like you said, will the development now are the games of 
the three four years from now right yeah like well i mean that odyssey game it seems like maybe the development of 10 years from now but um the, yeah it's it's it, it takes time like you can't you could like if if microsoft calls me today and it's like hey we want a game for this christmas i'm like well i you, you should have asked Good me luck. two years ago man yeah, yeah. build a time machine yeah i mean you can you can like there are some things you can like i don't want to pick out a particular genre but there are games that are more amenable to that kind of thing but they're you're not going to get like a massive content heavy game in in a short 10 or 12 month cycle right um all right the games industry i'm gonna call it troubled at this messy point. messy uh haven't had a great week of news in a while for uh, uh the the state of the industry i could go for uh, one right about now like I'm, I'm trying to th- i'm trying to think about what would even constitute a week of great news well, no layoffs would be nice. Back? Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, that's, no that's, layoffs. I guess would be a good I mean, start. That's a that's a no news is good news kind yeah. of thing. I'm talking like what would be a like like you know very pronouncedly positive development that could happen. B- big giant dev like, fund, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Sure, like that's that's what I mean. Like it's been so long since some, something in that vein even happened. I, I have a hard time envisioning it. I mean, there are smaller stories that pop up about people still getting funding, but they are much fewer and further between than they used to be, I feel like, a couple of years ago, where they'd be like, this person's starting a studio, this person's starting a studio, and they mostly seem to be started by people who have left very successful AAA studios. Well, and the the other thing to note is that, that like a lot, a lot of those were VC-funded, and the VC community is kind of, I don't want to say fad-driven, because that's not exactly right, but they there's, there's moments and... Uh, everybody at a big venture firm feels like every venture firm feels like they need to have a bet in whatever the new space mm-hmm. is, whether it's VR or metaverse or crypto or, or video games. And once they have their bet, then they're good and they don't make any more bets. So like, you know, once all those are done and that moment's passed, right? Like that easy, that easy money's gone with the interest rates and, and all that stuff. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, winter's coming, I guess is what the yeah, venture that- people always say. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I meant about like what would good news even look like. I, I meant like what is what is possible to happen in this current environment. You know, we need a sneak With, king. We need Burger King to get back into video games. Now you're talking. Get get um, fast food money in there. I there was a story I was just looking for it, but some of the Volition people uh, went on to go form Shapeshifter Games. That's like, it's like positive there. That's I guess cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I said, you don't get these stories as much as I feel like you used to get these stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, I started to say, you know, like your Stardew Valleys and Lethal Companies and Pal Worlds are like, hey, look, people are still finding success even with little teams and, and so forth. But like that really, even even to, to me, even that just highlights what a hit-driven hmm. uh, landscape it is, you know? Like success feels kind of... It's the word I'm looking for. I mean, nobody can predict that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like nobody fickle. can. No, yeah, very fickle. Yes, like nobody. Nobody can bank on finding that kind of success or any kind of success, even if they make an amazing game. Like we we saw even even people who have been in the industry, I'll say, I, I genuinely take Larian at their word when they did not think Boulder's Gate Three was going to take off like the way right. it did. Right? Like that's a that's a thing that I feel like they probably hoped, but probably did not realize how many people especially haven't been in early access for that long or you know what that game was going to do i bet the pal world people are shitting their pants <laughs> like, like I, I, there's going to be a book in it right it's like the same thing like early PUBG. like when when PUBG hit 
there there were 35 people that worked at that studio or something. It was an incredibly tiny place and it blew up and suddenly it was the biggest game in the world. Pal World is the same kind of, I, I don't know how many people are working at the Pal World studio, but it, it feels small. Um, and, and it's like, it's, it's similar, similar vibe. Yeah. It was very small and very inexperienced by all accounts. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, people are still making games. Some of those games, <laughs> I don't know how to transition here, but bear with me. Some of those games are attempting to release um, games like Suicide Squad are trying to come out and they're doing their best and maybe not um, always hitting the mark. Brad, what is going on with Suicide Squad's early launch? Yeah, Suicide Squad is coming out for everybody on Friday. Finally, Uh Kill the Justice League. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, after a very long development period, but it did have an early access period for the hundred dollar edition that people, uh, ponied up for supposed to be 72 hours early. Uh The game launched at the beginning of that three day early access window and they very quickly had to pull it. And wait, what? Uh, Yeah. Because, because there was a problem where it is a live service game. So I'm sure they're checking against servers and, you know, any manner of issues can occur there when you're trying to track progress locally and remotely and so forth. But there was an issue where people were logging into the game for the first time in this early access period. It was immediately flagging them as having finished the story. Like it was essentially, yes, yes, it was essentially flagging their campaign progress as you have played through this campaign. (laughs) Um, I'm not, I'm not aware like what that might lock you out of necessarily. Like, you know, it might be possible to still play through the campaign again as normal or, like some games in that vein, maybe you lose access to certain things after the first time you play through the campaign. And at, at, at any rate, they very quickly pulled the game back down. I, I think at some of the stories I read at the time that it was happening were saying that like it's actually unlocking weird things for, for players, like uh, post-game stuff in, in ways that it should not. Yeah. Um, so it's not way, just not a matter a, of an achievement popping. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, oh, that's a bad bug. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a very bumpy launch. Uh, they had to pull it down, which again was in the middle of a period of time they had guaranteed to people who spend extra money on it. Wait, did um, they not have the normal disclaimer? Like, usually when you buy one of those, it's like, hey, uh, servers are probably going to go down during this time. We don't want to hear anything about it. It's like, we're going to do the best we can, mm. and you're going to have the chance to play, but it might not work out the way that you're hoping. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, A, it was a conspicuous enough problem that happened early enough in the launch that it's kind of hard to just be like, hey, it's the, it's the cost of doing business, and B, this game is already having to thread like three successive needles with yeah. how against it a large part of the player base is reflexively. Yeah. Kind of feels like, like video game punching bag at this point. Right. Yeah. Like it's the hostility out there toward this game is pretty intense at this point. That's um, a bummer. Yeah. So I don't think there was much they could do, but pull it down and get it fixed, which they did. Um, they've now granted $20 of Luther coins. That's, <laughs> Wow, welcome, welcome to post capitalism. I guess I don't know. It's uh, give me my Luther coins. I'll be okay. People, people afflicted by this, or people that played early, have now yes, been have received twenty dollars of in-game currency as a make good. Is it is it really Luther coins, Brad? Yes, that's. <laughs> I, oh God, I yep. don't even know where to go with this. like this. I mean, you just know, enjoy like, your Luther coins and be okay. Why not uh, Lexbox? Lexbox is so much better. Hmm. Coin. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you're, okay you're right lexbox is better i don't know maybe that was taken already oh man yeah i didn't know there was in-game currency in this guy i didn't know any okay oh, just, oh dude, I, yeah I mean, the punching bag thing i mean that, yeah oh, that's man. exactly where it comes in is like preview footage out there showing like six different types of upgrade currency in this game and stuff like that oh. like this game I, we may have said this before i mean this game just feels like it's kind of the last one in the door 
of the life service era at a time when people have a hundred thousand percent turned on life service as a concept, unless they're already bought into one of the like four games that actually made it. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I have a lot of thought having played a bunch of live service games. I have thoughts on this that are complicated and hard, like doing live service. Like you look at somebody who does live service good and let somebody who does live service bad. And like Fortnite is remarkable because they balance and they, they, they are constantly riding the line between too much and too little and keeping the power curve growing and like, you like keeping the game fun. It's hard to keep a game fun in an ongoing nature. It, the big problem for me is that there's just not enough time, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you're in a situation where you're, you're, like you're never going to play two of these games because because each one is a is yeah. a forty hour a week commitment to 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 keep up with the things that you want to keep up with or or at least <clears throat> I'll just add on to that well like probably invest fully in two of them yeah right? like yeah. you might be a, a tourist or like whatever the term is like cruise in and out of them but like your main right. Yeah, you, you, you can't taste. You, you can't taste the forbidden fruits of both Destiny and Fortnite <laughs> That's right. and Apex Legends all at the same time. How many season passes can one person possibly fill out? One, it turns out, unless you're <laughs> streaming. Yeah, yeah, this is... It's, all, it's almost like those season passes are balanced in such a way to exclude the possibility of playing other live service games. Well, but but also at the same time, if you're making a game that you want streamers to play, so they do your marketing for you and streamers play 10 or 12 hours a day, you, like, you have to have an enormous content treadmill that engages those people, but then also like somebody that like Vinny's, Vinny's son can dip into and play an hour a couple of times a week and still also feel like mm-hmm. he's getting something out of it. So it's a it's a it's a hard problem it's a real problem that's hard for uh, reasons that i think a lot of people probably don't think about uh so suicide squad yeah. will be out for real z state of the service seemed to be fixed at this point that's right brad i, I haven't seen any further i looked at their twitter account today but at last i checked I things seem to be running pretty smoothly i'll say um, this i went looking around for reviews and yeah. uh the video game chronicles yes, video, had one up video game chronicle first uh, i think I, there's one other outlet that i was unfamiliar with that i don't have in front of me right now that also ran a review but video games chronicle is out with a four out of five for that game today yeah the headline of much a much better game than we expected <laughs> yeah uh, they, they also said it's like one of the best looking games they've seen in a while yes i kind of want to look at it just for graphics reasons now after they said that i mean but like if you look at their list of cons repetitive missions is number one yeah. uh, which sounds like the style of game for sure also yeah. also this is awfully quick to get a review out but who knows very quick and for considering that servers didn't sound like they were even in a state to yeah. play it right like uh so i don't know um the other con there i'll just add brad i think it was like microtransactions right so yep i mean it is things one of that those. don't sit well Usually can, with the general crowd. Can I get a banana costume for King Shark? Can he look like a giant, like fifteen foot tall banana or a hot dog or Wait, something? Is that guy? Is that that guy's name? King Shark? Shark King? King Shark? Yeah, something King like Shark. That. Yeah. Is it really yeah. King Shark? Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Sure. If they're doing it right, right? If they're if they've if they've done it correctly, if DC is letting them make a banana suit, I hope. Right. I, hope. I want. I want. I want Harley Quinn to have like uh, her little drone thing to have Snoop in it talking to her the whole time. <laughs> Can I like just make it make it terrible, make it real gross? Just give me the animated series skins. Oh yeah, for Harley Quinn. Uh, all right, and finally here, not to be outdone with being forgotten to the sands of time. There's a Prince of Persia reference, I guess. 
The Switch 2 news continues, trickles in. Yeah, that's actually a big part of, I mean, like there's not a whole lot of new information here, but it's actually the slow trickle of Switch 2 leaks. That's kind of what's interesting to me here because it's starting to remind me of the annual iPhone cycle Mm. and kind of reminds me of how different things are now than when the Switch 1 came out. Although I think parts of the Switch 1 concept did leak prior to the unveil for that thing. But I mean, this is full on iPhone territory of like every week or two now we're getting another detail about what the Switch 2 is going to be. This week, it's the screen's going to be 8 inches. 8-inch LCD. 8-inch LCD, yeah. That had, that had been reported previously that they will not be launching with an OLED screen. Um, I, I love that they're thinking they're going to sell enough switches, Switch 2s, which I, I think is probably right, that like they're, it's impacting supply chain in such a way that like the supply chain analysts can look <laughs> can look at what, what is being projected to be manufactured mm-hmm. at, a, at a screen level and be like, Oh yeah, this is this looks like a Switch Two kind of. This is the right size and volume for Switch Two. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know to be fair, I guess leak is not always the universal term for this kind of thing. Some of it is also analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, it's significantly bigger screen than the Switch One, which is like what six point two. It's big, bigger than the OLED Steam Deck, even which is like seven seven point four or seven point five or something like that. Yeah, like the the Switch OLED is also a seven inch. Like I, that kind of makes me wonder what the I, I am more interested in what the resolution of the screen is going to be. Mm. Like, does it need to be ten eighty p at that size? I They'll probably I, do the same thing handheld docked, right? Where they 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 do it down. Yeah, I don't know. Will they do ten eighty p? I hope I would you hope. don't think so. You're shaking your head. Well, no, they're going to render lower resolution because it's, it's NVIDIA hardware in switches, right? Yeah. So they're going to render lower resolution and then DLSS it up to upscale. So you don't notice that it's, that it's being upscaled mm-hmm. and you'll get longer battery life. And like it, it's using, using the upscaling so that you render low res render up and then have like twice the battery life. Yeah. That, that, it doesn't make sense to put 1080p on a handheld ever. I don't think, no, I mean, the screen might be, but rendering it 1080p is that, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not going to be native 1080p yeah. rendered, but I bet what the native res of the screen is. I'm, I'm curious. Mm. 720p at eight inches seems pretty low. It's well, it's like 1280 by 800 on the, on the OLED steam deck, I think, which is a little bit, a little bit higher, a little bit of weird, weird aspect ratio. It, it like text is readable. I, I think it's, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope that they do something better with font rendering on the lower resolution versions is my, my request. I'm still so curious. And I know I'm, I'm a, I could be a, a wackadoo here, but I am so curious what they have going on inside between a switch one and a switch two to internally to make sure they don't wind up in a Wii and a Wii U situation where, you know, they went through that entire process. There are so many switches sold they want to put a Switch 2 in people's hands. How do you differentiate enough where you feel like this is a completely new platform and bring the people who all bought Switches, you know, what is it, seven years ago now? How old is the Switch? Uh, pushing seven. Well. seven. No, no, yeah. seven, seven years in March. Seven? Oh. Like, I thought it was bring, like eight or nine. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a pretty long, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good length for a console. Bring all those Switch people on board who are, I feel like the Switch was, again, the Wii version of like, everybody's got one right every casual players and hardcore players and people who buy a console every 15 years bought a switch i know a lot of parents who bought switches for their kids right like, yeah the thing they bought animal crossing during the pandemic sold so many switches right yeah yeah and i feel like and this is anecdotal parentally people who are not finger on the pulse of the video game nobody's talking about a switch 2 yet but i also feel like those people are going to be like do i need a switch 2 
I, and then that's the cell, right? I wonder if they go forward and back, right? I wonder if your Switch 2 games work on the Switch 1 and it just is 30 frames a second I, instead I, of 60 I, I, I think I think that may happen on case-by-case basis, bases, but like that'll be ports to the old... Yeah. Like I, I doubt, I highly yeah. doubt there's going to be one SKU coming out that runs on both platform in any case. Like it's not going to be a Series XS situation where the same games are coming out and one just runs at a lower clip on the other. Like I don't think Nintendo's going to truck with that. And honestly, I don't think any Switch 1 games are going to just automatically work on a Switch 2. Or I mean, the other way around. I don't think any Switch 2 mm-hmm. games are going to automatically work on a Switch 1. I don't think yeah, that's yeah. going to happen at all. Yeah, so I am, I am with you. I mean, there may be limited cases. I mean, you know, they did do that with the Wii U to the Switch. Like, Breath of the Wild yeah. came out on Wii U and Switch at the same time. But that was launch. But, what? but, but the, yes, that was a launch game, and those were distinctly different versions of the game. Right. right? So, like, I assume... The same thing would happen here where it's like, oh, hey, we're launching with a new Mario. Also, by the way, you can still get it on the Switch. It just doesn't look as good. But but that's not so, going to be every game. That's going to be like, hey, we did the work to make this run on both. I'm with you, Will. That, that I had that same thought, right? Like of, you know, it's just a different product, right? Is it is yeah. it a Switch Pro at that point or is it a Switch 2, right? And, you know, signs are, po- and we talked about this before, signs are pointing hardware-wise probably more towards a Switch 2 conceptually, cutoff. Conceptually very much a Switch 2. I mean, there, remember, there yeah. was a Switch Pro that was in development that they canceled mid-pandemic. Right, yeah. uh, that, so I, that was the refresh. That was the Switch Pro. But this, but I would not be shocked, Will, if it wound up being that. I know it's, it's, it sounds weird, but it's probably not going to happen. But Nintendo is a weird company. And I, I just feel like they got burned in that Wii yeah. U world. When when Jimmy Fallon picked up the Wii U and is like, oh, is this a thing I buy to hook up to my Wii? And the, <laughs> yeah. they fucking just died. They, were like they killed the point. entire thing right there. I mean, that, well, that yeah. was, I, I think that was about 80, 90% a problem of branding and marketing. Well, yeah. and, oh, wait, right. And, and not, not the capabilities of the system. But that's the problem is they're, they're selling to customers who don't they don't listen to this podcast, right? Yeah. They sold a bazillion switches to normal, normal ass humans. Well, and yes and no. Like, like it's, well, it goes all the way back to the SNES, right? Right. But, the, like but the, they're not, they're not necessarily selling to those people at launch though. They're selling to people like us at launch, you know, like they're selling to people who have to have the new thing for the first year or two. Yeah. Um, because they still have that hundred, whatever million install base of the switch to sell games to people who are not well, looking to upgrade. Well, here's, here's the real thing is that like as much as I agree that the branding is a huge part of why the Wii U was an abject failure because it just did not explain at all what you were buying. But the other thing is, and I think this is much more obvious in retrospect, the Wii U was clearly a bridge console. Like, it was clearly a thing that was a sketch of an idea they had of this portable and home console hybrid mm. thing, but they didn't have the hook for it yet. Yeah. Well, and, and then the they got it. There. I, yeah. I, I, I extremely agree the, the Wii U just conceptually is a pretty half-baked concept. So, like, but, but you have the Switch now, which is a very baked concept, and all you have to do is tell them, this is the next switch. If you literally call this thing switch two and you say, this is a more powerful, the thing version of the thing you already know, every consumer knows what that means at the very least, whether they choose to buy in or not, there's none of that confusion that the Wii U just abjectly (laughs) suffered from. But okay. So I'm buying your super switch idea here, Alex, but let me, let me pitch this. Let me pitch this other idea, which is that when you upscale existing Nintendo's house art style for the first party games, which seems like it's mostly what they care about Mm -hmm. is real good and upscales real nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then like, what if it's just, what if it is the switch 4k? What if it's a 4K a thing you can plug in your TV and play Tears of the Kingdom at 60 hertz 4K 
and you, like they just sell another Zelda game. Like it, it just lets them reset well, and resell all the first person franchises again. Now, now you've created for yourself the Apple problem of when do you cut off the old Switch? Like, at right. what point do you yes. finally say, okay, here's a game that will not run on your Switch One? But like, yeah. is that in five years? How do you communicate that to people? But that is also like an extremely Nintendo thing to do with like expansion pack stuff and and splitting the market, right? I mean, maybe they've learned those lessons and don't do it. Um, I just looked up sales of the uh, Wii U, Wii, and Switch. The Wii U sold 13.5 million units. The Wii was 101 million units. And the Switch has surpassed combined totals for both of those. I mean, the Switch is extremely popular. You know, it just, it begs the question of like, how do you roll this out? And and we're calling it the Switch 2. That's, that's what just people are calling it. It's, there's no there's no official word that they'll call it to Switch 2. They would be pretty dumb to call it to Switch 2. Maybe they'll call it the Super Switch it's or something. Switcher. The Super Switch it's, actually it's, isn't bad. It's, it's an extremely yeah. un Nintendo like thing to call something a Switch 2. Like yeah. yeah. I cannot see them doing that. So maybe Switch they'll 64. figure out the, maybe they'll figure yeah. out the marketing. I just um I am leaving the door open a crack, and I know people will think and I'm glad I poisoned your brain with the thought, Will, that possibly this will be a super switch that plays breath of the wild, the same breath of the wild. You maybe bought better than the other games. I either way, I think there's going to be we'll probably all agree a transitional period there. That'll take a while where stuff will probably come out on the switch and the, and the new switch for a little bit there. Um, you know what I want? I want 40 Hertz mode on the screen. That's all I give a shit about. Really? <laughs> that would be I nice. want, I want 40 Hertz for like single player stuff so that I get good. So it feels smooth. And doesn't eat battery. That's that's what. <laughs> if they do that, I'm happy. I'll buy it. Or maybe, maybe look, maybe the cost. I've never. I, I don't know how these things go, but maybe the R and D costs on this thing and the parts on it. Maybe their bet is not to outpace the switch sales. Maybe it's to supplement switch sales in a way that they're working on their next big huge thing. <laughs> maybe I know Nintendo likes making money, like every corporation, but like maybe it's not to eclipse switch sales. It, from all things we've heard, and they're all rumors at this point, it's pretty similar form factor to the Switch, right? They're they're not they're they're not doing. I don't think they're not. radically changing the 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 nature of what that system is. No, yeah. No. yeah I wonder if like they'll a fold out top screen or anything. No, it's going to look like a Switch with better controllers. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. You think the you think Joy Cons will be not compatible? I I would not expect anything to be compatible unless whole new are, system unless we're proven otherwise. Yeah. I don't know. They've sold a lot of accessories. Like they kept the accessories with the Wii U, which yeah, kind of is what bit them. Right. <laughs> like, what if what if they resold all those accessories again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. If you already have the accessories, it's easier buy-in. And I have three switches in this house. I don't know about they, you. They, they they could make a more kind of egalitarian move. I mean, you know, like Microsoft did that. Like that was kind of shocking when Microsoft's like, "Hey, your Xbox One controllers yeah. still work on the new consoles." Yeah, I it's feel not like heard of. I feel but like here, in the new era, like once Microsoft started upscaling old games for you, all bets are off on what's going to happen, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there, here there are mechanical compatibility issues, you know, like like do the rails on a Joy-Con right. fit with yes. what they want to do on the housing of a Switch? Form too, factor of the dock. Right, and, right exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the screen's bigger, so how does it yeah. nest in there? But how about the Pro? The Pro controller, hey, just make the Pro controller work. I've got two of those things. That was like a $70 controller. No, they have to do a new one because where are you going to put the four C buttons? You have to, you have to have that's that's that's, that's right. the upgrade we're all waiting no. for. They're putting, yeah, they're putting they're, the, the C stick on there as well. They're taking an analog stick Look. off is is what they're going to do. How about this? Three prongs, Vinny. That's it. Three Ooh. prongs, three triggers, each prong. Uh, yeah, all we've ever wanted. 
and a better kickstand. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the Switch 2 promise. Well, that uh, raise your hand, I guess, virtually. Is this thing launching by September? That's that's those are the persistent rumors. Yeah. Sometime you think this we year. see this this summer? Um, yeah, they'll definitely have thing? to unveil it at least, I'd say like minimum three to six months ahead of time. Okay. I'm kind of curious. I'm curious to see what the heck is going You're on. You're going to buy one, Vinny. You know where you land on this. You oh, yeah. No I'm, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to buy one. There will absolutely be one in my house. I'm just, Nintendo's one of those wild card companies that always does a, things a little left field. And like, what is the weird thing they're going to do on the Switch? successor here considering the switch two is maybe one or the switch one is maybe one of their best-selling consoles and at least i don't maybe ever you can tear it on the box you fold it up it makes a fishing pole (laughs) i mean you got it cardboard cardboard is big yeah it it plays super nintendo games it's got a slot for the cart on the dock now we're talking (laughs) but not the same super nintendo games you could play on the switch one for some for yeah. reasons yeah. that are completely arcane and indecipherable, it's a different set of Super Nintendo games, and the ones that you could play before only work on the Switch One. Actually, you put in the cart, and it just downloads a ROM to the Switch. It doesn't even actually play off the cart; it just verifies the ROM. Somehow, then- it only plays Wonder Swan games. It's fucking weird, man. Uh, that is going to do it for the news. Thanks again, Will Smith, for adding some uh, much-needed industry experience and and thought to that conversation. I, I, I'm here to bring your bummers all day long, Vinny. Here. No, it's you good. don't bring I the like- bummers. You let us understand the bummers. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Like there are some things in this industry that do not change, and some things that seem to be in constant flux. That the cost of making a game for me is one of those things I have never quite been able to pin down and it sounds like for good reason because it's all over the place yeah uh, so th- thanks for having that conversation with me i never understand when the thing is like it sold a million copies i'm like i don't know does it make its money back how does it does is that good if it sold know. a million copies and it didn't make its money back somebody made some real bad choices along the way well there are some pretty bad people in games dev so i don't know i don't know what to say uh that's gonna do it for the news we do have emails here brad do you want to do like one email sure Let's do a quick one. A couple, of, a couple of very quick ones. Rob yeah. from Detroit. Is a Katamari a kaiju? Wow. No. Alex, I feel like you're probably no. the authority here. It is not. A kaiju is a living being. A, a, a Katamari is in and of itself not alive. It is, it, it is probably closer to a Gundam than a kaiju. Wow. Okay. Because you're just being piloted. Okay. Is Mechagodzilla a kaiju then? That is getting into some very existential territory that I'm not prepared for right now, but I'm going to say that spiritually, Godzilla is, Mecha Godzilla is more of a kaiju than a mecha because there is still a self-piloting consciousness there. Okay. Wait, wait, hang on. Sorry, is Mecha Godzilla still, is, is Mecha Godzilla self-aware? Oh, <laughs> uh, God, it's been a while since I watched any of those Mecha Godzilla movies. My, recomm- my recollection is that it is not just someone in, Me- in Mecha Godzilla's head piloting it. In in the in the monarch time frame, I think they take King Ghidorah's soul, one of his heads essences, yeah. and jam it in there. Yeah. So there is there is something there functioning and thinking at least uh, at least on a, on a machine level. So I'm going to say that is not a mecha. Brad, next email. Uh, Travis and Fargo. My go-to favorite snack is a handheld fried egg with a little ketchup on it. Do you have any oddball favorite snacks? I don't even have an answer for this question. I just want to know how the how fuck you, handhold? you make a handheld fried egg. That's, that's slime. 
How do you put there's an oil or butter in the pan, right? That egg is going to be a little slimy. When you bite into it, you're going to get the goo all in your hand. It's going to be like, and it it gets as soon as it hits air, it gets all congealed and sticky. It's not Uh, my favorite handheld snack is pudding. (laughs) Like I don't know, like. Wait, it's wait, a, hold on. Do you use your finger in the cup like Ron DeSantis? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So put an old pudding finger. Pudding oh, fingers no. In. No, I don't, I'm with you. I don't know. Like, like fried egg beans is maybe one of the least handheld snacks I could think of. It's not fun to hold, first of all. And then, yes, once you bite into it, it only gets worse. <laughs> do, you, do you think he meant to say sandwich and just forgot the sandwich in there? And it was like, you put it between two pieces. Of, fried egg sandwich is great. I'm on board it's, with a fried egg sandwich. Yeah. But just like. Very explicitly says handheld fried egg. But, well, Okay. Hold on, but don't, in some parts of the country, when you ask for a fried egg, doesn't it come solid? Isn't that a New York thing? That's over, uh, over easy. It's like got a, a skim on the top. Yeah, and, that's like yeah. an over easy. Is, I mean, over, there, over medium, I guess. Yeah, over medium. Yeah, but the there, yolk still runs. Yes. Okay. It, medium is, think, tends to be a more solid yolk. Over yeah, easy medium. is definitely supposed to still be kind I, of runny. I started to say, isn't, isn't there over hard eggs? And yes, there is. I Googled it. Okay. Like, yeah. Over hard, over hard is, is like yeah. fully chalky, shitty <laughs> Fried out yolk. I don't so think I I've ever heard a person order over hard ever. Look, I'm. I don't. I try not to judge people for their choices. And I'm not going to yuck somebody's yums, but I'm no, going to look it. at you sideways, and and we're not going to be friends if you order over hard around me. If you're ordering over hard, maybe you maybe you just got out of a meeting where you sold a million copies of your game and you didn't make your money back. And life and life has not been <laughs> kind to you. <laughs> you're that person. <laughs> It's like the spectrum of good choices to bad choices. You're 100% pegged on bad choices. Just give me an over hard egg and a whiskey. <laughs> I've had a day. Yeah. Uh, are we good with the emails, Brad? Or, yeah, uh, let's, yeah, let's call it there. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for sending them in. The email address is podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com. You got to do it three times. Or you might as well not have done it at all. We've got a bunch of stuff going up on the Patreon. We're continuing with our Watchcast. Uh, we are on the, the wrap-up of Twin Peaks Season 2. We have uh, our next episode, which is three episode, or three Twin Peaks 2 episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be in the season finale. Yeah, so, we're almost done. So we actually have to decide soon what we're going to do for uh, the in-between thing before we do more Twin Peaks. Hell yeah. I, I'm very excited to see how this all wraps up and very excited to see where the Watchcast goes, not only because we should be getting to more Twin Peaks in the future, but I really enjoy the Watchcast, Alex. So uh, you can go catch that on the Patreon. We'll have never been a better podcast, I believe, recording next week, so you can look for that. We've got the Ramblecast, a whole bunch of stuff going on over there. Q&A is up. That was a really good Q&A. If you want to figure out what's going on over in the Next Lander verse, you can go check that out over at patreon.com slash nextlander, where you can find a tier that is just right for you. And there is one tier there, the Mysterious Benefactors tier that gets their name read on this year's show. Alex Navarro, do you mind reading those Mysterious Benefactors for us today? I do. I mean, I don't, but I, I, I will <laughs> is what I meant to say. I gotcha. All right. Our Mysterious Benefactors for this week are... Sean Miller, Ryan Waterman, RRE, Infelicitous Rips, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre of Dojima, Gary Pejski, Robert Fisher, Bunny Fiend, comma, The, Peter Reardon, Jad Rita, Statics, Fantastic Asm 89, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz II, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, 
Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. Thanks to everyone who has supported us over at patreon.com slash nextlander and everyone who's listened in, watched, spread the good vibes. We appreciate it. Uh, Brad mentioned it earlier, but if you're listening to this at the time of release, you can catch him playing some Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'll be streaming that a little bit later in the schedule. Uh, uh, So check that out, I think, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so you can see that on our upcoming schedule and then we'll be playing some suicide squad on Friday. We're going to, we're going to see what this is all about. Heard. It's a great looking game. Heard. It's fantastic. We'll find out. Will Smith, where can people find you? How can they get out you at out you? How can they out you? How can they get at you? If they are looking to hire an extremely talented person and friend of this podcast if you are looking to hire uh a i've been told i've i'm t-shaped which means i'm good at one i'm good at communications and also have a lot of other skills um you can find me i'm on next i'm not that will smith on linkedin is the easiest place to reach out and send me a dm or whatever um or yeah we also you know i do this podcast with this brad shoemaker guy every every sunday called uh brad and will made a tech pod which you can find at techpod.content.town where all good content lives um and uh yeah other than that i'm i guess i'm you know uh just about town i sometimes stream on twitch the fortnights if you like to watch the fortnight if you want to see some people do horrible horrible mashups with uh i don't know uh lady gaga and you two and um I don't know what has it. What has a good? I'm trying to think of what has it. Like there's a, those those Nine Inch Nails bass lines are just real good. That's all I'm going to say. They always have. Been. Turns out that, that guy knows bass. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Uh, not that Will Smith. Uh, Twitch TV slash Not That Will Smith. So thanks for having me, guys. This will always it's fun to fun to come see you. It's like old times. Yes, yes, uh, old old whiskey times. Yes. Uh, and thanks again, Will, for adding uh, some some much needed insight to those conversations. Uh, I'm sure we'll be having more of them throughout the year about the games industry thank you brad shoemaker thank you alex thank you will thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next week